Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, May the 22nd, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. What's up? Mr. Bob Ryder. And Stephanie Cook. Bip, bip. <laughs> what? Bip, bip. I don't know. Bip, oh, bip, bip. Yeah. Oh. She's new, new, new hair, new opening you catchphrase. like, uh, what's his name from the Batman movie, The Captain? What the hell was the captain's name? Uh, Captain Whiteside or whatever his name no. is. No. Th- I'll, th- I'll go on. I'll think of it. I'll Commodore think of it. Commodore Schmidlap. That's it. Of course. Yes. Old Commodore Schmidlap. Commodore Schmidlap's the name. That's, that's me. That's just like you, Stephanie. Quite. So how are you like, uh, how do you like being a blonde? Um, Weird things seem to be like happening to me all the time again. So, you know. Mission I accomplished. Like my hair. <laughs> what? I said mission accomplished. Yeah, I feel like it's reinvigorated the crazy. It's like my life goes like a certain amount of time without having weird things happen, and then it has to like compensate all at once. It's like the day I got my hair done, I was walking down the street, and this we was like with my two friends, and we were going to get some dinner at a pub, and I saw this like woman in a wheelchair coming up. I'm like, oh guys, move over! But instead of like going past us, she just like rolled along with us, and then she looked at me and. Like, while she's in her wheelchair, she starts going, I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> and she starts, like, dancing in her wheelchair at me. And I was like, what is happening? And then she was like, ah, girl. And she drove off. She drove she off. Drove off. <laughs> and then she came back, like, two minutes later and, like, came up behind us again and was like, hey. And I was like, hi. And she was like. Asking me if I had, like, just for the record, I'm not trying to be, like, weird or anything, but I'm, like, the whitest person on the planet. Like, seriously, I'm practically see-through. I'm (laughs) so pasty. And this woman's like, do you have any black in your family? And I was like, what? (laughs) Who says that? (laughs) And then she was like, because of your booty? And then she drove off again, (laughs) cackling at me. I do love that you say drove off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she was in a motorized wheelchair. It wasn't like she was, like, pushing herself along. All right. I guess that she that really pushed that joystick forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that happened. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Drive so by that's crazy. like, that was my first couple of hours being blonde. So become a blonde, have Ole's in wheelchairs, give you cat calls. That's basically yeah. what happens. Yep. Um, so, all right. Stephanie's a blonde. Uh, and also, the new Xbox was announced. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. So a segue. Things that are different than they were last week. <gasps> yeah. That's the theme of those two things. Um, so, yeah, the uh, it, it's usually called the Xbox One. Uh, it is the third one, yeah. and uh, uh, th- th- it's supposed to denote 
uh, an all-in-one experience. That's kind of the the feeling for it. Why not the Omni then? Let's just say this: the name of about ninety-five percent of all video game hardware is stupid. The the Xbox name itself is stupid. 360 was also stupid because that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The only reason it was called the 360 was because they didn't want an Xbox 2 coming out against the PlayStation 3. Because it would seem le- they felt like it would seem less in people's minds. So apparently 1 to 4 does not make a difference. I didn't know that. About, yeah, that's about the the title for the 360. That's interesting. Yeah, that's one of the major reasons they did it. Um so the name aside, uh Microsoft did their thing, announced announced their box. <laughs> Very light on uh, on specs, you know, a couple of, a couple of numbers. Much more focused on user interface, uh, apps, and also very little on games. Uh, we have E three coming up in two weeks. Mm-hmm. They promised us a lot more games there, uh, but only a few games were shown at this event. Uh, Steve, uh, what did you think of this event, and what do you think of this event compared to the PlayStation event? Well, I find them actually to be quite similar in a sense of that neither one of them really showed us what each system is capable of. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back, I think the Sony uh, press conference or the reveal was perhaps a little bit better put together just because they did at least show us something new. Like That was my biggest issue with today's event was that I didn't see anything that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I saw some like next-level graphics and stuff. The graphics yeah. for... Call of Duty Ghosts mm-hmm. looks incredible. Yeah. They, they had the the videos that they were doing the side by side comparison. Mocap dog, right? Mocap <laughs> dog. And now I think it's, I'm waiting for the backlash. I'm wondering. You can now play as dogs. You could actually control them. Pizza dog, the game. <laughs> yeah, but the dog's got like Rambo gear on. It's got a like a like a vest. Yeah, and all kinds of things. Is this gonna be like cats and dogs? You know, I'm not sure movie? if you can play as him as the dog, or if it's just like a companion. Like it helps you in your squad. Okay. Yeah. But are they gonna blow up? Are we gonna have know. like I don't think su- it's gonna be like that suicide again. bomber dogs? I think it's gonna be yeah. like friendly dog for awesome. you. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but like aside from graphical leaps, I really, really hate to say it because I was very stoked for this uh, reveal. I I get excited at these things, even if I'm not buying it. I love the hubbub that it creates especially online twitter was hilarious today mm-hmm. yeah and but overall i it's funny i've walked i walked away from the sony press conference and i said i i went to gamestop the next day and i got myself on a waiting list mm-hmm. for the day that it comes out i do want a ps4 i have no desire to own uh, an xbox one after today's reveal now I do understand that it's 19 days away till E3, but you know I, I saw nothing that appeals to me as a gamer. I don't need all of the like they're trying to they are fixing it so that it's an all-in-one like an all-inclusive box for the living room. That's yeah. the main room, you know, and it's it's got all these features on it, but it's either stuff that already exists within my home and. I'm not going to sit there. One of the main features that they were like really patting themselves on the back for was the advancements in the Connect system, mm-hmm. which are good. But to be fair, the, it's doing all of the things that they promised us it would do last time. Yeah. And 
the the way that it's operating, it's like for schizophrenics. Like they like <laughs> you gotta you know oh you can you know you can check your fantasy football scores while you're watching the game, yeah. and if your little brother wants to watch SpongeBob, you could do that in the bottom right hand corner. Yeah. Want to check the stocks? You know, <laughs> want to see what your friends are up to on Twitter yeah. and Facebook? Yeah. And it's just this like multi-panel mishmash of minimized stuff interfaces mm-hmm. i don't ever entertain myself that way mm-hmm. if anything i sit at a computer and i look over at the television as like a background thing mm-hmm. you know so for some people who are really they like that they like the interactivity and everything that's great but it's not for me mm-hmm. i'm there for the games and all i saw today was forza racing yeah i don't want to race cars I don't care about the next football game. I don't care about the next basketball game. Where the hell was the next hockey game? Mm-hmm. That would have been something I would have been interested in seeing. And Call of Duty is a huge duh. Of mm-hmm. course there's going to be more. And the only I think the only thing remotely that excited me at all was they announced that Steven Spielberg would be I guess writing and producing, basically having producing and having having enough to to do with a Halo television series. Yeah, a live-action Halo television series, yeah. I'm not a fan of Halo by Mm. any means. Uh, It's never been my favorite first-person shooter, but that does bode well for the television series. Like, if anything was going to get me interested in it, that certainly helped. Yeah. Uh, But overall, I was really disappointed. I'm not going to be so far until E3. If I see some stuff that really blows me away, maybe I'll change my mind. But as of right now... I just don't see a use for it. Yeah. I mean, I think w- the this announcement was very much targeted not at us or the people who probably listened to this podcast who also watched it. It's very much directed at um, the people who play Call of Duty and Madden and, and their families. I think that's kind of what it was very much based at because I think that everybody, I think, is terrified right now about this next leap. Because I don't think, I think they're seeing that the demand isn't necessarily as high as it usually mm-hmm. is when this next generation cycle mm-hmm. comes around. They even waited longer this time. They waited a lot longer, and I still don't think people are ready for it. Um, uh, I think that they showed some cool interactivity. There is there was a point of ridiculousness where, like, they're like, okay, like, you know... Use the, your cell phone as a remote control. Yeah, the Kinect <laughs> sensor... Like recognizes your face and your voice and it signs you into your profile right away. It shows you what you've been watching, the stuff you've been playing and stuff so you can access it very quickly. All very cool. You know, and he's like, oh, I've been watching Star Trek. So he like clicks on it and he's like, it starts, Star Trek starts up again like immediately and that was very cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And he can kind of switch between the game and the movie like that. Like, almost like you're switching a channel. It's no longer a big loading process. But the height of ridiculousness was he's like, oh, what if I want to surf the web while I'm watching Star Trek? So he's like, Internet Explorer and it pops up. Yeah. And he's like, search Star Trek into darkness. Maybe I can watch the trailer for the new the sequel. I'm like, while you're watching the movie? Like, this is not a realistic use, you know? Like, I understand wanting to surf the net while you're watching a movie. I do that all the time yeah. on my iPad Go to and stuff. IMDb or something. Exactly. Sure. But, like, <laughs> that thing was cool. They announced this partnership with, with the NFL, where I think mm-hmm. they're going to get the Sunday ticket, and they'll have your final, your fantasy scores on the side, and they'll update in real time while you're watching the games. That was is, cool. Which is cool for, for people, people that are doing that. Yeah. That's really cool. But yeah, the games, the only thing I got excited about, they had a Remedy, like a short trailer for a Remedy game, people who made uh, the original Max Payne games, and uh, Alan Wake. Right. Yeah, I'm excited for whatever that is because I love those. I love that developer. Quantum. Quantum something. something. Quantum Break or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was looked pretty cool. I, I mean, no idea what it is, but that de- developer I really like. 
Stephanie, you seemed apathetic on Twitter today about it. Uh, um, I think you summed it up. I think we talked about it last week a little bit, and I think you summed it up for me, Bobby, in which, like, I just don't need another console. Like, the PS3 and the Xbox, they're already everything I need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't need my Xbox to have a Blu-ray player because my PS3 has a Blu-ray player. Right. I, like... I mean, the Xbox has been out for so long that I've accumulated so many games that I don't want to transfer over. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just don't need to be online all the time. The idea of having a video like connect on me at all times is a little Skynet freaky. <laughs> yeah, I it know. weirds me out. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't need that. Right. I just want to play games. I'm not like a hardcore gamer. I'm a casual gamer who likes to play online with my friends and just you know i I don't need an all-in-one console Mm -hmm. i've got other things i mean i realize it's not all-in-one but i've already got everything that i need and i think most people do at this point in time and i think that your sentiment is going to be the sentiment for a lot of people and i think that i think they're going to be very scared Mm -hmm. when they talk about steve oh uh, go ahead steph oh no it's just that like (sighs) I understand the need to upgrade and I understand why they're doing it. Uh, I mean, you want to move ahead and you want to keep up with the pace, but mm. at, at the same time, I just don't see the point of it. Why wouldn't you just keep it like the Xbox 360, but a new version with like additional upgrades or something like you don't need to make an all new console that people need to upgrade with, you right. know, that just changes everything for you. Right. You don't need that anymore. Well, I mean, some of the things they were talking about uh, after the the major reveal was that it will not be backwards compatible with yeah, your 360. Awful. So Which you is know, bullshit. Yeah, you're starting from scratch all over again. Uh, I'm, not, they, I'm not doing that. Right. They haven't confirmed that your live accounts will be able to be transferred. No, over. they are. They oh, they are. are. They've said that they, okay. in that second. They had like a technical conference after right. they did the big press conference, and your gamer score and your profile will transfer over. Okay. Uh, so at least there's that. You know, the backwards compatibility thing, I mean, the PS4 is going to be the same way. They've already said, like, there's possible software opportunities later yeah. on, but out of the box, the PS4 is not going to be backwards compatible either. Also ridiculous, considering they've just started, and, like, there's only a few games from PS2 that they've finally just started upgrading to PS3, and that's becoming a trend, and now we get a PS4. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, my, my only thing about... I understand it for the PlayStation's way because they're completely changing the internal architecture of the system. Mm-hmm. They're moving away from their proprietary cell technology and moving to more about what's in a PC, like the Xbox has already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand why the Xbox isn't doing it. But then again, like the amount of times I've played an Xbox original Xbox game on my Xbox 360, I right. can probably count on one hand. So it, it, in theory, it bothers me, but I never play those old games anyway. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I mean, really quick, because I know we're running long, mm-hmm. but uh, no price announced, which is interesting. Ooh. They didn't do it for the PS4 either, though. Yeah, but I they'll mean... They'll probably that, do that at... Yeah, they'll probably do that at E3. They don't want, neither, play, neither side wants to blink first. Yeah, right. Because if, if PlayStation comes out and goes, it's $499, then right. what's up Xbox would mean like, it's $399, right. you know, so. Um, I'm curious as to me specifically as to how it would integrate with, you know, the whole, one of the big pushes is that it interacts with your cable network and, yeah. your, and your things. I just last week canceled my cable. Mm. So, I haven't had cable in like three years. Yeah, but okay. All right, so we're in the same boat. So that's the thing. You're paying for, I mean, this is your choice, but you're paying for part of a product, a service that you wouldn't even necessarily be able to use. 
Uh, I mean, are they going to give you cable with this no, thing? I doubt no. it. I mean, I really but... think they're going to have to rethink some of their structuring once they hear some of the feedback. I get that they're like, this would be a cool feature, it, like ten years ago. I just think ten it's... years ago it would be a cool well, feature. Well, guys, we are cable. we are not the usual case of people. Most people have cable television. Yeah. You know, we're not the norm. You know, we're like five percent of the population doesn't have cable who right. who can afford to buy a five hundred dollar game yeah. console. You know, so. Um, um, I think, but yeah, I mean, they were, they're still being a little shifty. I knew, I know they said it wasn't going to be always online. It wasn't going to be always DRM, but mm. when they asked, it was a very loose answer. Like mm. they still, I thought that today they would have squashed that. They would yeah. have, cause that's been going on for a long time. Uh, I know it's only 19 days away. It's not that much longer to wait for confirmation on these things, mm-hmm. but I just thought that they, they would have addressed it yeah. officially. Yeah, it's, it seems like a very polished, structured, you know, very messaged press conference. You know, they said the word innovation like 700 times. Yeah. You know, all the corporate buzzwords, they were, you know, they were spouting them out. Robust. Yeah, ro- yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Awful puff. They kept saying like, <laughs> magic and technology. You know, yeah. coming together. Yeah. And they said that about Vista, too? Yeah. Oh, there, was a, there was something they said uh, earlier that... Some like, Asgardian tech inside the machine. Oh, God. There was something somebody said that I was sitting there and I was like, that, that's not true at all. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so big reveal. I mean, it's... I don't think the reveal was great. That doesn't mean the system won't be great. I, I like the way the system looked. I thought it was a really slick-looking box, so uh, I'm excited about that. It's like bigger than the Xbox 360. Yeah, it like, looks a little bit bigger. Looks like a toaster I, oven. I just, Black, you know what? It's Black and to me, it's like the Wii U. I've already forgotten that thing exists. I only like coughed up that memory that it exists, so that I could point out that I can't remember it exists most days. <laughs> Mine, sadly, have you played yours? Not in a while. Yeah, there's been no I games for it. No, there's, Did you there are no games them? for it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love Nintendo. I will always buy Nintendo systems because those games are going to come out and I'm going to want to play them. There's never (laughs) been a a generation... Well, they've announced a Mario game, they've announced a Smash Brothers game, and those two things are two of my favorite franchises in the entire world. So uh, that's why I buy it. But there was an interesting thing. It was some... It was... I forgot who it was. There was somebody... A a journalist or an analyst said, you shouldn't business people shouldn't be laughing at Nintendo's current failure with their system because it's not indicative of people not liking Nintendo. It's indicative of the future of this market. You know, and if a company like uh-huh. Nintendo puts out a box that can't sell, who says you're going to put out a box that can, that can I sell? I don't mean That's that true. in a way that like, I Oh no, I wasn't talking about you, way. Stephanie. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I just felt like it's, I mean, they put out this console and then did nothing with it. It's just like here, we don't care about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been a rough launch. I mean, don't get me wrong, and it will be really interesting to see what happens this holiday season. Uh, I think they're going to sell less than probably they think they are, um, but we'll have to see as we go along. For me, it will happen when there's a game out. Pikmin three on well the Wii U, yes, but when there's a game out on the Xbox One or the PS4 that I can't play on my 360 or my PS3 there that I go. really am dying to play. That's when I'll want to buy the system. But do game companies still line up that way? Yeah, they do. Okay. They'll eventually will happen. I mean, I think these are going to get supported a lot longer. But there's going to be a game that comes out that's bleeding edge tech, probably next year sometime. Okay. That isn't out. It can't work on the other consoles, or it's really shitty on the other consoles, and it's, you're, it make me want to buy the system. Much like 
Gears of War the last time around, the first mm-hmm. Gears of War game. So we'll see what happens with that. But that's enough about video games. Let's move on to so, some comic book news. Uh, James Robinson, a uh, longtime writer at DC and writer of Earth 2, has left the company. Uh, he is no longer writing Earth 2, and he will no longer be writing DC books uh, at this point. No. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of news or nothing came out around it. We don't know who's taking over Earth 2 yet. Um, and James Robinson just tweeted out, uh, you know, that he was leaving. Thank you. You know, very polite, very classy text, and he's gone. Uh, again, we've had a lot of these things happen in the last, uh, the last year from DC. I don't think Earth 2 is a book that any of us are particularly, particularly liked, mm-hmm. so I'm not crying in that way, but he is a writer who's written there for a very, very long time and has done quality really work good there. Work, yeah. yeah. And he apparently had plans going into end of next year with a crossing right. between the two universes. That's yeah. the weird thing, because even as close as two months ago, he was talking about how there's huge plans coming, Earth 2 and the New 52, Earth, you know, Earth Prime are going to intersect. That was kind of the rumblings that that was going to be the first really big event that DC was yeah. going to do in this new universe. So it seems like something happened, you know, that we can only guess at that. But when someone is talking about two months ago, their big plans for the end of the year, Mm -hmm. and then they leave already, it does not seem like this was a planned thing from far out. Um, But Bob, uh, Earth 2, obviously, we kind of started out a little bit positive on it and fell off of it very, very quickly. who would you like to take over the book? And do you, is this almost a blessing in disguise? You think for that? Well, it's title? a blessing in disguise for me because I fell off this book right after the whole Green Lantern reveal. Right. Um, <laughs> it would have been great if that were done well, but it was done so ham-fistedly. Yeah. And it's you listen, you listen to him talk about it, and he's very, very earnest, and very, he was obviously trying to do something very, very yeah. good, but he just did not come across well no, at all. It was a nice attempt, but yeah. failed miserably. The the redesign of the characters is terrible. Yeah. Um, if you, I understand they don't want old man heroes, right? And I get that. Yeah. But it would have been interesting if that's what you had. That you still had some slightly veteran heroes. Yeah. Um, At least not that that Flash costume is horrible. I don't those, understand even understand that design. No. No. They want to look more like Mercury. I guess so. Uh, to me, right now, that where we go with this would be if I were in charge, <laughs> mm-hmm. Paul Levitz. Yeah. Who's doing still such a great job with World's Finest tie it together he lost legion move him over there yeah that would make sense absolutely uh so i mean steve you you haven't been reading the book obviously for a long time no i haven't um and so I, i'm guessing this news doesn't really affect you one way or the other not a bit other than the fact that it might cause you to have to buy another book if somebody good starts writing earth too no 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 no, no. <laughs> um no i mean i, I i'm upset in a sense of that another apparent, you know, I haven't read much of his stuff, mm-hmm. or if any, I'm mm-hmm. sure if people threw out some titles to me. I oh, the Golden Age was great. He did, did yeah. Justice League, Justice Society. Yeah. Did... I know Rob really loves that Starman title. Oh, okay. He wrote that for that a very is. long time. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's sad to hear the trend rearing its ugly head again. Yeah. That upsets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any personal connection to the writer, but the event in and of itself is a shame. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Stephanie. No, go. I was just saying that I think um, a lot of the older creators leaving is very, um, like, it it paints a picture for what it's like at DC right now. Right now, it's a lot of uh, younger creators that haven't been around the business for very long. And it seems like there's that kind of um, just disgruntled behavior coming from a lot of the older Mm -hmm. uh, writers who have been here for, you know, during the pre-Dandidio uh, reign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that says something about the upper management as well. Um, 
maybe these are things that need to happen, though, in order for DC to kind of change their policies and change their ways and make them um, more creator-friendly these days. Mm -hmm. Yes. And to kind of pick up the pace. So while it sucks that we're losing James Robinson, and I'm not really familiar with Earth 2 and, you know, what that really means for that book i think a lot of bad things have to happen in the industry for things to change and get better and yeah. i think these older creators leaving and speaking out against dc and i'm not obviously robinson has not said anything so i'm not jumping to any conclusions but mm -hmm. you know a lot of other creators have spoken out against dc and i think it's going to take um a lot of these big creators saying stuff and speaking up for change to really start happening in the industry with DC and with all the other creators or sorry, publishers mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a really, a really salient, a good point mm -hmm. about the whole situation. Um, and we'll have to see what comes of it. You know, obviously it, it's tough because on, from the outside, it looks like another one of those things. It could be something totally different. It could have been very amicable. It could have been James Robinson being like, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to leave. I'm done. I'm, I'm all out of juice for this. I got to go. And they let him go or whatever, you know, but from the outside, because everything that's happened lately, uh, it doesn't look good for the, the, the company. Well, again, that he was hyping a book. Yeah. Just, it seemed like yesterday. It, mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it's odd to have this happen now and not think bad thoughts yeah absolutely um more on the dc front uh we've been hearing rumblings of this villains month coming up uh which is going to be kind of the two-year anniversary of the new 52 they've been talking about every year they want to do something around the anniversary kind of change stuff up do a little different thing they did zero the zero issues last time it seems like this year they're doing it, initially they thought it was going to be almost instead of you know like batman 26 it would be joker number one and then Batman, like, 27 would start the next month. Now it seems, and it would be by the regular creative teams, but whatever. Now it seems like it's still similar, but they're going to be one-shots that are going to be done, in some cases, by uh, different creators than the regular creators to, uh. Uh, to give those guys, like, a buffer to maybe catch up with work and keep that, that stuff on time going forward. Uh, some of them will be written by the regular creative team. Some of them won't. Um, and they're saying very much it's probably that these some of these are going to spin off into their own ongoing titles because right now we're at the new 45 and we're <laughs> yeah. seven bucks away from 52 and they've been on this 52 you know march they've been putting on it still says on all the books so they kind of need it to be at least close to that um so there's no announced books there's nothing there's nothing for sure but uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think it'd be cool maybe to read a Lex Luthor number one. I mean, is there any villains that you'd like to see just uh, one-shot books for? Obviously, you're going to see the Joker. I, yeah. I can't imagine that this isn't the opportunity to bring him back from maybe. Know, breaking back falls or wherever yeah. he fell off of. Well, Go ahead, Steph. I, I just hope, like, I don't mind seeing things like the Joker and Lex Luthor and stuff, but, like, I don't really want to see origin stories, and I don't want to see their you know, evil ways being justified. I want to yeah. see a cool bad guy story. Like, I don't want to have to humanize all of these characters that I'm never going to think of as, oh, poor baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, I just want them to do... So it, I mean, obviously, we know nothing about this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I hope they do something cool with them as opposed to stuff like Thanos. Right. So, you, I, and I totally agree with you. I do not want, like... 
oh, like the Riddler has some trauma in his childhood that makes him want to hurt people. Like, I don't his want stuff like that. beat him. Yeah, I don't want stuff like that either. I want, if they're going to do it, I want cool stories about them doing like bad stuff, but in really interesting ways like they do when they're on the other side of the coin, you know? I'd like to see a real Harley Quinn book. Yeah. But not mm. the one they're doing now, the real one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that could be really cool. Like, done well, this could be a really fun event for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would like it to be, I mean, like with, I think it was Arkham Asylum where you could play as the bad guys. And wasn't Arkham City, it was one of them, I think, where you could have that option. And I want something like that where you can see it from their perspective without mm. having to be like, yeah, just, I get it now. Right. What do you think of a villain's month? Oh, I totally. I'm I'm really, really down for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll mix things up a little bit. It'll be nice. Yeah. And however they want to number it, whatever they want to do, that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. You know, ones, continuations of the number system, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who I'd want to see, though. They just, you know, good stories. Or them, like, if you're going to go with villains, then have, like, a really, really great one-shot heist to, you know, or just a the seed of something bigger if you're going to try to make it into a spin-off. I guess it'll all depend on who sells and who doesn't. Yeah, probably. But um my only my only fear is just I hope they don't I hope this isn't just another thing that they decided to do like they just announce it and only give the creators. I know you said that there'll be a couple of guest creators, mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't want to see plans or things stall out because of it i don't you know like they decide oh three months from now we're gonna do this thing and we're gonna need you to do this instead of what you've been planning you put that on hold for a month (laughs) and we want you to do this instead Mm -hmm. it'll really sell some books and you'll get to work with the villains Mm -hmm. yay uh i think that that i think the concept of it is great Mm -hmm. so long as it's carefully planned and taken taken time with and just do it right, have fun with it. It's just a one shot and make it a one shot. Yeah. Cause more often than not one shots, just a couple of the, what was it? Uh, DC presents or DC national, the some, national comics, the presents. national comics. A couple of those were, they were one shots, but they didn't feel like one shots. Mm-hmm. Some of them felt very, uh, unrewarding mm-hmm. by the time that you finished that book. And then we never heard from them again. Yeah. And it was just, that's what it was. And that was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the same token, some of them were decent and you wanted more and never got any. Yeah, right. Rose and Thorne, I wanted more of that. Right. Yeah. That would have been cool. Even as like a, like a five parter mm-hmm. just to do something with it. Yeah. Uh, there seemed to be a good positive reaction from that one in particular. And uh, I don't know, you're going to do it, do it right and have fun with it. But will it leave much of an impression if it, they screw it up? Probably not. Right. Um, it seems like, I mean, we're still five months away from it, and it's been rumored for a couple of months now, so it seems like there's at least a lot of lead time going into it. Oh, yeah. It. I mean, with, with a five-month uh, window, mm-hmm. you definitely have yeah. time to come up with something really cool. Yeah. I think if you had the real creators, or at least the regular creators yeah. doing it, you'd have something to really hang your hat on. Yeah. And now it's, it strikes me as that buffer zone, you're creating inventory stories that could have turned up anywhere, but we'll make an event out of extra right. stories that you, the public, have to buy. Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, you don't have to buy. <laughs> you could you could save yourself two ninety nine that month on one of those books. But I mean, we'll have to see what happens when the slate gets announced when that all that mm-hmm. all comes to be. Um, really quick, uh, it seems like Comics Alliance is coming back. Uh, we announced that they were going away. They've posted up an image on their site today, which is that the last image from uh, the last images from Dark Knight Returns. 
with Superman standing over the grave and then winking. Uh, so it definitely seems like uh, that means they're coming back. So that's exciting and congratulations to them. Uh, I'm glad that they were able to, you know, revive themselves. Uh, really quick too, we have a couple of reviews popped up for Gail Simone's uh, Red Sonia. Uh, there's one on Comic Vine right now. Give it five out of five mm-hmm. stars. Absolute rave. Yeah, giving nice. it, uh, you know, they said the only bad thing about it is we have to wait until July <laughs> for it. So, I mean, there's not a lot to say about that, but just I wanted to let people know that there is word coming out and it seems like she delivers on that promise. Um, here's some bad news out of Marvel uh, Red She Hulk and Gambit have been canceled. Mon dieu. <laughs> I can hear the screams from Belfast, as we say. Yeah, our, our Patrick is probably crying right now. but I'm not happy either. I know you're not yeah. happy, Bob. You're a big proponent of Red She-Hulk. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this announcement? Um, I mean, neither one of them are characters. I mean, that's true. I love Gambit. I just didn't really particularly enjoy this version of Gambit. But, I mean, done well, it could have been really cool. And I really only read the first two issues, so I don't know if it got better after that. Um, but truthfully, this is kind of, eh, yeah, whatever. Um, Bob, I know you're upset about Red She-Hulk. Yeah, Jeff Parker was doing a great job. There's some fun stuff going on with, you know, Aaron Stack, Machine Man, and so on and so forth, and Tesla's World Machine. I'm losing a lot of books. X-Factor's going away. This mm-hmm. is gone. I quit Captain America. <laughs> Saving money, I guess. But More money for wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can drink my sorrows away instead of reading comic books. <laughs> um, do you think that if they had relaunched Red Shield as a number one in the Marvel Now, that it would have done better? Or do you think it was doomed uh, kind of... Just- I think it's doomed right away. It's just a, it's a very minor character. And right. Just, it's, look, the Red Hulks and Blue Hulks, and there's a Green Hulk, and that's all it's going to sell. Look, Red, Red Hulk didn't last either. He right. pulled it into the Thunderbolts. Yeah. It would have been artificially higher sales for a month or two. Right. But I'm sure it would still be back down to the, whatever it is, 20,000 and 25,000 is doing now. Yeah. Um, it just seems like some of those books that in the launch with the Marvel now that you think might not have stuck around, if they were good, they kind of got a little bit of buzz and at least cut them ab- above the line. Mm-hmm. Like Fearless Defenders is selling way better than I ever thought it would. Um, I think just over the strength of people saying such nice things about it. Yeah. So maybe Red Shell could have been buoyed that way. I they could have just kept, said more good things about it. They could have just kept Be calling personal, it Hulk, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> would have been probably been, would have been okay. Um, you're not reading either one of them, right, Steve? No, I dropped off of Red She Hulk about three issues in. It wasn't. I don't know. It was that was one of those gotta cut some titles times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And uh, I was Bob really was convincing me every week or every month <laughs> rather that I should be picking it up again, but I just never made the leap. But. With that being said, maybe now that it's ending, if it ends on a high note, which I'm sure Bob will let us know, that it'll be something that could be easily collected and I could just, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy a short story and kind of have a reappreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Well, here's uh, one of those things I always talk about where you've got so many family books. There are how many Avengers books we could run down the list, seven, eight, nine of them, whatever it is, and a couple of them double shipping, lots of X titles. And you keep adding more, the more Wolverine books and more mm-hmm. everything else. Where's your money go? Eventually, okay, those things on the cut list, they get really cut. They finally go away because, well, I have to keep reading Avengers. I have to keep actually, reading something uh, else. I'm cutting a Wolverine book uh, as of this month or next month, whenever it comes out. So, just, what, you, what, what, what Wolverine book are you cutting? Wolverine, just by itself. Hmm. I, the third issue did nothing for me. Okay. And I just... 
again, it's one of those times that I really need to start paring down my list. And I'm already collecting Savage, which once Frank Cho leaves, I don't know if uh, if I'll continue that either. He's in every damn <laughs> X book and even some of the Avengers books that yeah. I'm collecting that I just I've got like Wolverine overload. And it's Wolverine for me, it started off really intriguing and really cool, but I wasn't crazy about the art and I didn't know where this, the direction of the story and it's just the pacing of it isn't isn't fast enough for me and it's not as mm-hmm. I don't when I read the other Wolverine books, I laugh. I don't laugh when I read regular Wolverine. I just, there's there's something about it. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's I'm really on the edge with it right now. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um so in this past week, uh Valiant started rolling out uh teasers information about their second summer of valiant obviously last year they launched relaunched their brand uh to much critical acclaim and they're doing a similar thing uh this year with a couple of new properties and you know a couple of their ongoing properties doing new bigger storylines they're calling it the road to unity um so we we are we talked about quantum and woody already we're a superhero team of all time with the goat and everything Mm -hmm. like that um totally buying that yeah i'm definitely gonna buy that as well uh the uh you know they announced uh exo man of war number 15 which is the road to unity uh is starting there uh they have a, a zero issue of bloodshot which is being written by matt kent um, oh nice with art by crisscross and they're renaming uh the the regular bloodshot series to bloodshot and the hardcore um which is h period a period r period d period cores not like the hardcore yeah. um <laughs> which is written by Joshua uh, Disart, which is one of their exclusive writers, and Christoph Gage. And they also announced another new series, which is being written by Greg Pak, called Eternal Warrior, hmm. uh, which is one of their previous series as well, which was apparently started by Jim Shooter. Um, they're bringing it back. So Valiant is coming out with another strong summer. It's, again, one of these things, one of these... I, I want to be in on some of it. It just it's hard right now to catch up and find places to jump on. But I'm definitely going to be reading Quantum and Woody. Yeah, and I'm gonna check. I'll check out the Zero issue because I love Matt Kent, and I'll check out this number one from Greg Pak. I mean, I know you're you're a Greg Pak fan, right? Yeah, loved his Hulk. For um, a long time. Would you check out a new number one by him? Is is he enough of a draw for you to check out a book that he's writing or no? Probably not. Probably in, not. In a universe that I would then have to play much catch up. Right. On. Um, these are all linked together into a. Uh, I think they're. I think it's a, a joint universe. I think you can read the individual books. Okay. Uh, just then, fine. Then but I might take a shot then if I if it can be a standalone. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I you know I tried jumping onto Harbinger and I mm. really really enjoyed the first trade of the first six or seven issues. And then I kind of fell off of it for a while. Actually, didn't quite. But anyway, uh, no, I it's yeah, it's again. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, it has to be thought about because it's it's more money. It's another it's Mm. another universe. And I have a problem where if I'm reading something, I need to read it all. Right. And it's just a huge expense for me to dive into another universe and everything like that. But that being said, I do have plans to buy Quantum and Woody. And if I hear, because I have a friend who collects all the Valiant stuff, Mm -hmm. if anything, I could always borrow things from him if I hear that's really that great without having to make the expense. Mm -hmm. But if I enjoy it and word of mouth is that it is really something worth getting into, then I'll look into it then. Mm -hmm. You know, being where we are, we always have the option of getting these books after the fact. I don't have to get everything day of. Right, absolutely. 
Um, Stephanie, do any of these titles interest you? Um, not really currently, but I'm, I don't know. If there was good reviews of them, I would check them out. Mm-hmm. Were you I on the show when we were talking about Common and Woody the first time? I don't think so. I think that might have been a replacement me show. <laughs> a replacement you? <laughs> the alternate universe you. Um, yes. So, uh, there's a, there's a goat in Common and Woody, number one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go nice. if it was a cat she'd be all over it um <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm excited to hear about those titles and uh it's definitely a universe i've been the outside of and i know a lot of our listeners want us to be reading them i just haven't found the in yet to kind of get into it um so that's it for news uh for today uh, let's move on to our books of the week yeah. steve why don't you start us out sure what do i got uh, I'm only going to talk about one book this Ooh, week. Oh, my God. But if you're not reading X-Men Legacy, you really should. <laughs> it's good. So I want to talk about Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 23, and I'll tell you why. Because this comic did something very cool this month that I, uh, you don't get to see a lot of the times, and that is uh, we just ended the uh, Venom arc, the Venom Wars arc, very awesome, very, very sad and um, turning point-like finale. So now this is the issue after that. And you open up the page, first page, inside cover. I did not expect this. The first thing you read, it says in huge letters, one year later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we go from the end of the Venom Wars when Miles Morales decides that he doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. He takes off the costume, he throws it away, and he says, I don't want to get involved. I don't want anything to do with this. All it's done is bring me pain. I'm done. By the way, famous cover, by the way. Yeah, anybody who's maybe worried about that Steve's spoiling something, it's literally the cover of the book, so... And yeah, it's, it's, it's an homage to Spider-Man. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, the new arc is called. No, I didn't spoil anything. Yeah, that, that yeah. final, the last issue was awesome. There's so yeah. much more other stuff I could have yeah. spoiled, but anyway, um, yeah, the new arc is called Spider-Man No More. So they go, they jump ahead one year later, and not only is Miles, he's you know one year old, he's a little, slightly a little bit more mature. He looks a little different. He looks a bit a little more grown up you know, puberty and such. <laughs> He's got a girlfriend. There were, you know, little hints or inklings of that in the, the issues that had come before. And he's just, he's in a place where he, like, he's not, he doesn't consider himself to be Spider-Man anymore. But meanwhile, his best friend Genki is like, you can't stop being Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You're destined to be right. this person to take up the helm. It's your responsibility to do it. So he's had this friend egging him on for the year, and he just keeps denying it up and down. And, of course, something happens that forces him to rethink his position as to whether or not he should or shouldn't be Spider-Man. And why this was my favorite issue of the week is because with just that one page, with just it saying one year later, we got to skip ahead to so many like like the the meat and the potatoes of why you read a Spider-Man book because you want to see him be Spider-Man. I was really afraid of not that I didn't have faith in Brian Michael Bendis that he would be able to pull it off, but I was really glad to not have to do like a three to five issue, like a whole arc of him denying that he should be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I yeah. just it's not something I need to pay for. It's not something mm-hmm. I need to see. I've seen that in other books. I don't 
it's just not something that I want to read. The book had such great momentum and action and character development that you're going to stall the character development by taking the suit away. And now we're going to watch him just basically being a brat and looking the other way. Mm -hmm. So if anything, this issue fixes all of that and fixes it in such a way that even the changes that have been made, like the relationship aspect, you're already comfortable with it within the first three pages. You didn't need to see how they asked each other out, how they came to be close to one another, anything like that. They're obviously very affectionate towards one another. There's a very warm vibe that comes off of them just in the few pages they're together. It's all there. Mm -hmm. You did not need several issues to establish this. It can be done. Right. So in regard to my favorite book of the week, uh, is Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number 23, Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez is the artist. And just to, again, if you have not been on this series and you like Spider-Man, I suggest that you get on it. This is another great, uh, you know, arc to jump onto. And if you can go and pick up the Venom Wars issues because they were phenomenal and this just makes them that much better. I am so psyched to see what else they do with this. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Stephanie, what do you got for us? Well, Bobby, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is, um, you know, I thought I had one book of the week settled and I was going to be like, this is it. And then just before the show, I read another thing, which I'll get to, but I'll talk about my other things first. Um, so well, meanwhile, I'm, con- I'm back confused the ranch. already. Yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. Bury the lead. That's yeah. it. Anyways. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is a book by Audrey Niffeniger, uh, who is the Audrey, or the author of, uh, the time traveler's wife. Oh, okay. So, um, I've been a big fan of hers ever since that book. And I've followed her writing since then. But like, you know, a lot of people assume that I think her style is like the time traveler's wife. And then they go to her other stuff and is like, this bitch is weird. <laughs> and she is so weird. Like, I think now looking back at after books like her fearful, her fearful symmetry. And then she has another book called three incestuous sisters. Oh yeah. That like the time traveler's wife is like her, you know, air quotes, weird book for her. Right. Like everything else is sort of the norm. Um, so with that being said, uh, I found out on May 7th that she had a new book out and I spent a good chunk of last week looking for it and I finally found it downtown and, uh, to my surprise, it wasn't a novel so much as a graphic novel. Um, (laughs) it's not really like a, a graphic novel per se. It's more like a picture picture book, but basically it's called Raven Girl and, um, it's a sort of twisted fairy tale, and uh, it's about this postman who falls in love with a raven, and okay. um, like you do, yeah. <laughs> and basically, him and the raven fall in love, and even though they can't communicate or anything, they still live out their lives together, and they have a baby. Kaka. Yeah, <laughs> we won't. They don't really discuss how that's really feasible, and I don't really <laughs> ask questions. Birds got the mad sex. <laughs> But anyways, the, uh, the story is really about, you know, this girl and how she's born into a human body, but how she can't speak English. Like, she basically is a raven, but just trapped in a person's body. And um, it's mostly story that's kind of accompanied with really 
strange images and illustrations that um, the author did as well. Hmm. And um, it's both like so beautiful and just disturbed at the same time. Hmm. But I read it and it only took me about like maybe 20 minutes. I sat in the store and read it and <laughs> and then quiet. put it back. <laughs> I loved it so much I didn't buy it. Yeah. No, I'm poor, okay? I'm being responsible right now. I am being responsible. I will buy it eventually. Tell that to Laura Neflegger or whatever her name is. <laughs> Anyways, oh, it's man. um it's a really interesting book and it's just kind of this cool modern fairy tale that's you know, not so much cool as effed up and awesome all at the same time. <laughs> So, that was something I read. I feel like I should go buy one just to make yeah. up for the one you put back. I will buy it. God, everyone. <laughs> Stephanie constantly like her quotes are like the the worst back of the book quote. <laughs> well, that's a book I read. Is the depiction of the girl in the story? Is she really skinny? Uh, sort of. Because I yeah. bet she eats like a bird. Oh. oh. I'm muting Steve's mic. <laughs> Thank you. So, wah, wah. the next thing I read that I thought was really cool, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that Steve's talked about this before, but um, I got a chance to read Axe Cop number one that was from Dark me. Wars. That was, was that you, Bobby? No, I've never read Axe Cop. Was it me? Oh, oh, was it Rob? Might have been. Okay, maybe I'm completely wrong then. I just thought <laughs> that somebody no. had read it before yeah. and talked about it. But basically, this is a comic that um, I do can believe that it came out from um, Dark Horse, but yeah, it's written by an eight-year-old. Um, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, let me try and say his name, M- Malachi Nicole. He probably yeah. got that pretty right. Um, and he is eight years old, and it reads exactly like you would expect an eight-year-old to write. Like he's a cop, and he has an axe. And then he's the president of the world. And instead of a white house, he wants a gold house. And it's the strangest thing. And then, you know, like the first panel's talking about how Axe Cop really is terrified. His, like, worst fear is talking gorillas. And and then it takes you on this, like, weird and strange ride with, like, just... It's like being in the mind of an eight-year-old. And it's awesome. <laughs> like, the illustrations are fantastic. They're done by, um, let me see here. You know, they it's fun. They say, written by Malachi Nicole, age 8. Illustrated by <laughs> Ethan Nicole, age 31. And colored by Derek Eric Schultz, age 29. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, but it's just a lot of fun. It's a really neat comic and a really neat approach to a comic. I mean, I'm guessing that... I believe it's his dad, I assume. It's his it's his uh it's his brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just decided to help him out and illustrate a comic one day and it's it's just neat. I mean it's not great by any means, but it's fun. And it's silly and it's just amazing to see that an eight year old managed to come up with this completely wacky concept and put it down on paper for yeah. Well, I'm reading about it. It's there's been going for three years. He yeah, was five when he started writing it. it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. But like, For nearly half his life, yeah. he's been drawing this comic. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fantastic. And I seriously, I mean, I can't really go on about it without... I Spoiler mean, alert. 
I mean, there's not really much to spoil. It's just like basically his mom picks him up from the precinct. <laughs> it's it's wacky, but it's fun, and I very much recommend that everyone check it out because you'll get a laugh out of it, and I think everyone will enjoy the heck out of it. And the cop has an amazing mustache. And it's going to be a TV show, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fox is doing an anime TV show of it. Cartoon. Cartoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the voice it's voices of Ken Marino. Patton Oswalt and oh. Megan Mullally. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> I love Ken Marino. That's great. Ken Marino's gotta be playing the cop, I'm gonna assume. Oh, it's so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I just love like the kid's explanation of things. Like sometimes he'll go into like these really elaborate, like he's like, These aliens abducted me and I was taking a bath at the time and I was all wrinkly and the aliens specifically were looking for a naked wrinkly man and that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it's free it's association. Really, yeah. It's just really bizarre and fun. Um, so check that out, guys. Really, truly do it. Um, and then quickly, because somebody asked about this, I believe um, one of our listeners, Sam Mandy Gomi, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, asked about Last of Us American Dreams. Oh, right, yeah. Which I had spoken about last week, but mm-hmm. uh, as a follow-up, I read the second issue of it, and I'm still really liking where it's going. The art and the story remain really cool, I'm definitely intrigued to see where it's going for the video game, which hits stores in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep. Um, Exciting. So if, you know, you're interested in the game, I, I don't know how much the comic really ties into it, but it's a lot of, not, it's not fun, it's dark as the game kind of looks. But yeah, <laughs> it's a blast. It'd be very strange <laughs> if it was like a, a fun comic. Yeah, but it's great, and I've been really enjoying it, and especially the art from Faith Aaron Hicks. So um, that, and then my book of the week, my absolute book of the week, I promise, this is it, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> is um, a, co- a mini comic from uh, Becky Cloonan, which I picked up at TCAF last weekend, mm-hmm. um, and that is Demeter. So it's a brand new comic, it just debuted there, and it's kind of this... Uh, I was trying to, I wrote up a review for it, which I may put up on the site if it's not completely terrible when I look back at it, but (laughs) uh, basically it's kind of like this, you hear about those um, stories like a fisherman's wives waiting for their husbands to come home after they go out and you hear like, they have like a lot of ghost stories um, and this is sort of a supernatural fisherman's wives tale kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it basically opens up with this girl talking about how, you know, how she met her lover and um, he's clearly forgotten like a lot of what's happened to him. And she kind of fills in the blanks for him. And it just goes on to kind of reveal that she's kind of stolen him from the sea. He was supposed to have passed away and she's paid a price to, have him back for a limited time. Ooh, the monkey's and, paw um, kind of thing. Pardon? Scare. That's like the monkey's paw kind of thing. That's always scary. Yeah, I don't want to like... I'm, I think I'm already treading into saying too much, so I won't go on anymore. But if you're familiar with Becky Cloonan at all, um, it's got her very uh, anime-ish kind of style to it. The mm. uh, kind of manga eyes and all that stuff. And it's all in black and white. But it's absolutely beautiful, and um, she does such a good job with the images, and and she writes it as well. But 
she does such a good job with the images that without the words, I think a good chunk of the story would get through to you. It's just so incredibly well done. Um, and I, I think that she's working on getting a new store up right now. So I don't know if it's available online, but um, she does do a bunch of conventions and I highly recommend that everyone pick it up. I think she's charging like a ludicrously cheap amount of money, like seven bucks for it. And it's awesome. It's something that everyone should read. Very cool. And she's not um, eight. No, she's not. She's eight. not eight, but I mean, she's still ridiculously talented, nonetheless. Yes, even though she's not eight <laughs> years old, she's still very talented. She once was eight years old, though. There you go. Mm-hmm. She probably was um, very talented when she was eight as well. And I know I'm talking so much, but if you'll forgive me one more second, I just wanted to point out too. Um, in this segment that yesterday I've started to watch um, Arrow at the recommendation of so many of our listeners. Yes, we have a bunch of listeners writing in. So um, I just wanted to say that I'm only about like eight episodes in, but so far I'm really digging it. I never saw Smallville, so I can't really compare it to the quality of that versus this. Mm -hmm. But um, I really like the characters and like who they've cast. I feel like they've perfectly cast everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of issues with the CW and shows like that because they have 23 episodes and I'm a firm believer that no TV show needs more than 12 episodes in a season. Welcome to American TV though. That's what all American TV is. I get that. But like, I just have like issues with how much filler there can be. Mm -hmm. But, um, that being said, I got to an episode last night where, um, uh, Helena Bertolini shows up. (laughs) Bertinelli. And, Bertinelli. No, sorry, not Bertolini. <laughs> Whatever. Hel- and Helena. Yeah, <laughs> Helena. Helene Bertolini. <laughs> yes. Shut up. Anyways, that being said with, you know, words. Yes. Not great ones. Um, she was perfect. She was very good. Have you have you seen it yet, Bobby? I've seen like, like I'm I'm on the same amount you are. I've seen I think the first eight episodes, I think. Um and I think that the show the, I think the first couple episodes I don't think they're bad, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's definitely still finding its footing. I think with the first three episodes, three or four episodes, but I think once it gets past that, once it starts to kind of chug forward and and stuff, I, I, it is a good show. You know, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I again, I've only seen the first eight episodes, so yeah. I like I've heard it. That it gets way better. Like I heard that it gets epic at the end, and yeah, like last night kind of sold me because I loved. Yeah, she was really good. I mean, they're doing the, you know, the, I guess the Earth One Huntress, you know, the mm-hmm. Bertinelli Huntress. So it's not, not Bertolini. No, it, yeah, not Bertolini. Uh, it's not Helena Wayne or anything. Yeah. But uh, no, they do. They, it is good. And, you know, it has sort of, you know, it's sort of Green Arrow through the lens of like Batman Begins type of feeling to it. You know, it it, it, it strives to do kind of that. This is how it could happen in the real world type of feel to it. Uh, and well, it very much follows um, Andy Diggle and Jock's... Year one? Year one. Okay, because I haven't read that yet. Interesting. Well, I mean, like the parts where he's cast... He's a castaway and all that. It's, yeah. It's almost like exactly that. Yeah, there's actually a character on the show named after Andy Diggle. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. I was like, is there an actual... I mean, I've read a little bit of Green Lantern... Not Green Lantern, Green Arrow. But, I mean, I don't think I'd be able to firmly you know, support or deny whether there was what supporting characters were there. And I was wondering because there's a guy named Diggle and his brother, Andy. Yeah. 
passed away, and I was like, Andy Diggle. That can, that has to not be a coincidence. No, that no. character was created for the show, so yeah, they named okay. it after. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't. I didn't really know anyone like that yeah. could tell me at the time. There's a couple of characters. I think there's a character with the last name Grell on there as well. So like, they have characters named after some of yeah. like the big writers and stuff of the <clears throat> of the, of the books. We've gone for Adams and O'Neill yet? I don't. I don't know. I, you know, if, again, but those names are so much more. I guess common that maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't even notice it. it. Those mm-hmm. stick out for me instantly. I'm sure yeah, they. Okay. You know, but whatever. Yeah, but. But yeah. Anyways, those. I just wanted to mention that I have actually started watching the series, and I plan to try and get through it all by the end of the week. But, um, yes. Challenge accepted. We are on it. <laughs> when he gets the arrow plane, I'll start watching. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> cool though. So, uh, thank you, Stephanie. That was. Lengthy, but every, all of it was quality, so it's all good. Don't snortle at me, Steve. What? <laughs> I did no such thing. No Steve snortling. It's more like snurfling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is different. Yeah. Chortling. Um, a fog, a fog. Uh, cool. Uh, so Good I will call. go next, Bob. You're going to close oh. us out. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, you're in big trouble. Then. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll I don't know why. I'm, I'm in go big ahead. trouble. Uh, so I I spoke last week. I was feeling a little burnt out with everything, and it kind of, that kind of bled into this week. So I didn't really read m- much of any superhero stuff. I, I I got it, and I have it in a pile, but I haven't really read it yet. Um, so I was attacking more of the indie stuff and more of the stuff that was kind of outside of continuity, just because I wasn't feeling it. Um, uh, really quick, I'm not going to talk much about them. We have two books with the with the word dream in them that came out this week. Dream Thief from Dark Horse and The Dream Merchant uh, from Image. Uh, dream Thief was it's by uh, Jai Nitz with art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, very kind of pulpy. Not, I don't know, not, not pulpy. A more... It's about a guy who gets this mask that he kind of... Can't, he doesn't remember what he does when he's wearing it, and he ends up doing these really violent, bad things. Um, like the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, I was going to say, up until the second, the I thought it was the Jim Carrey Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's some, you know, like, tribal mask, so it gives him sort of power. Whenever he falls asleep, though, Again, it's... it takes over. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, had some interesting moments to it. I, I don't know if it's something I'm going to keep buying, um, but because it's a little too, I, I don't know... Uh, and I, I'm gonna like I want to say exploitive, but I don't I don't mean that in that really derogatory sense. Mm-hmm. But it's very violent, you know, seventies you know, kind of hyper violent situation going on, and uh, it's not necessarily the tone I'm looking for in a book right now. Uh, but some good art and some cool kind of story hooks and stuff like that. It's generally about kind of people you don't really like. So sometimes I have a tough time kind of latching on to those kind of books, even though I think a lot of times they can be very interesting and delving into characters who aren't necessarily. Uh, morally upstanding can be a uh, you know kind of new water to tread. It mm-hmm. just didn't it didn't connect with me. Uh, the same for different reasons with Dream Merchant. Uh, really cool visuals, uh, some neat mythology kind of on the underpinnings, but it the narrative just felt very clunky to me. It it, it felt poorly built. It felt like a I lot. Liked it. Of, I I know you talked about it last week, right, Stephanie? I think actually the week before, but yeah. Yeah, um, there was things I liked about it, but. It was a lot of characters talking about what was happening, and for me, that always puts me off in, in an almost immediate way. Uh, so I didn't really kind of go crazy for it. Wasn't meta enough for you? Well, no, it was. Uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> Just being a jerk. Carry okay. on. 
Uh, I don't even understand that criticism of me. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> get it either. I don't either. Carry on. People are being too direct. Well, no, I, 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 you know, I, I just don't like it when characters are, when it feels like the characters are only speaking for for you to understand and move along the plot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the first thing that kind of kind of puts me off to a movie or a TV show or a, or a book. So that's fair enough. Yeah, so just put me off. Um, some really cool visuals though, uh, and really neat use of color uh, in there. Um, one book that surprised me that I really, really liked was actually Battlestar Galactica number one from Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Oh, cool. Uh, it's based on the original TV series, not, not the newer one. Uh, you know, I kind of, I bought it cause I, I like that creative team and I'm a big fan of the property, uh, mostly from the new, obviously from the new, entirely from the new series. Uh, so I was a little trepidatious about what we were getting here, but it starts out kind of what you'd expect um, you know, the Galactica out in space, Cylons appear, some crazy stuff goes down, but they introduce a wrinkle with a, a new kind of weapon that sets everything kind of splintered off into an interesting different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, fun, brisk writing, good action, nice visuals. I'll definitely pick it up for number two. And if the story keeps progressing in a, in a good way, then I'm going to keep reading it. If we start getting into this kind of... And here's the problem, I think, with white kind of indie books get less slack I think than the bigger books at least for me just because of the connection to the property like I'll I'll read one or two issues of Spider-Man that's filler and I'm not just going to drop it because I have an idea of there's an overall thing going on if there's one or two issues of this BSG book that's kind of just feel like filler and like they're not moving it I'm probably more likely to drop it because I have no emotional Mm -hmm. connection in, in a bigger sense so take that for ill or for or for good. Right. You also figure Spider Man is going to keep going for another ten years, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, why yeah. bother? Yeah. So you know, but very good. I, I really really enjoyed it. Really fun space story. Um, also, uh, we actually had a couple. Uh, I think it was actually uh, I think it was Repstones on Twitter asked if anyone was going to read the Fall of the House of the Usher, and I picked it up. Uh, Richard Corbin uh, adapted this Edgar Allan Poe story. It's a combination between. Um, Fall of the House of the Usher, Fall of the House of the Usher. I don't know why I keep saying that. Fall of the House of Usher and the uh, the Oval Portrait. Uh, if you like Edgar Allan Poe, I really recommend that you pick it up. Really creepy. Um, I, I, there was parts in it when I got literally got scared re- reading the book. Hmm. Really brought that uh, you know macabre Poe hmm. prose to life in in a really. Uh, intense visual way. I mean, Bob, you looked at it before yeah. we started. Oh, Corbin's uh, a veteran from the the Warren days back mm-hmm. in the original Creepy and Eerie, and he's still still bringing it. It is really you can. It's just so decayed mm-hmm. as you you know you go into the usher's house. Uh, yeah. the faces are brilliantly expressive. Mm-hmm. Our narrator, uh, which is you know his little uh, sort of Uncle Creepy character at the start, mm-hmm. is just really this toadstool fellow sort of sitting <laughs> in a graveyard yeah. that already puts you into the right frame of mind. Uh, really, really nicely done. And this is how many issues? It's just two. Okay. It's just one of two uh, from Dark Horse. It's it's three ninety nine, but you get this really good issue. And then you also yeah. get a lot of supplemental material at the end, pages of sketches and commentary by Corbin. Uh, really, really good, you know? And it's pretty much straight up adaptation of, of the, or, you know, combined adaptation of those two stories. Um 
but it works really, really well in comic form. So I, I think have to it's go a, reread the Oval Portrait because I I, I, I must have too. read it somewhere, but I don't know when that might have been. I definitely read it, and I don't really remember it yeah. at all. Um, but I do know House uh, the yeah. How, yeah Fall of the House, <laughs> the house of, of, of Usher, Usher. Uh, and it does that story very, very well. Uh, but my book of the week is uh, Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Uh, and it's collected volume from Vertigo. And, you know, it was the perfect book for me to read this week uh, for a myriad of reasons. It was a big change up from the usual stuff that we're reading every week. You know, it's Yapita superheroes. It's it's not sci-fi. It's not horror. It's not fantasy. It's a very down-to-earth not slice of life because it, it, it is much more whimsical than that in a lot of ways. Um, but it's a meditation really on mortality and, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it tells the story. Our, our main character is a, an obit writer and each issue is a year in his life, but it's also the day that he dies. So it's, he dies at mm. 18. He dies at eight. He dies at 21. It's where this, Anything can happen to you. Your life can end at any moment. So you need to live every moment like it's your last, you know, in that that kind of cliche way. But it it deals with relationships with fathers and sons and, you know, this struggle for what life means and, you know, what, what ties us to places and what are the memories we keep with us. And it's just, they say it's a book about the little moments. You know, because there are, there are big things like one of the issues takes place on the, the day that his son is born, but another issue is just a day that he, you know, he happens to meet his future wife in a coffee shop. But to him, it's just one regular day in a coffee shop, you know. And it's about these little bitty moments. It's about dinner with his with his mother. It's about, you know, the playing at at his grandmother's house when he was a little boy. And it's just beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful and. Uh, I highly recommend it. It it was one of those books where I it, tears definitely did not roll down my face at the end of it, but my eyes were definitely very moist, and mm. I was getting I was getting choked up. Where'd you it's pick wonderful. It up from? Oh, sorry, Steve. What did you say? Where'd you pick it up from? I got it at uh, Fourth World. Oh, yeah. It's available everywhere. Yeah, it's available everywhere. It's a really big like. Yeah. It's one of Vertigo's biggest sellers, everywhere. I believe. Is it? Yeah, uh, Stephanie, you've read it, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, um, I think I was mentioning to you during the week after you said you'd read it that uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba are brothers and they Mm -hmm. take turns writing and drawing it. And um, you can see the differences in style throughout the book, but they work together so well because they have a connection. And it's just such an incredibly beautiful book. And um, earlier in the year when I went to Angolim, I was speaking with them and I asked them about the book and they actually wrote it like they're, they're Portuguese. They're from Brazil. And to me, like they speak four different languages and normally you would get somebody to translate it, but they translated, they wrote it all in English themselves. And you wouldn't know that from reading it. It reads like somebody whose first language is English wrote it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just an incredible book and it's the graphics, like the illustrations are stunning and it's heart-wrenching. It's beautiful, and it tells a story that I don't think has ever really been told in comics before. And it does, 
I believe exactly what it set out to do and more. Yeah. And the thing about it too is it's about sad things in, in a lot of ways, but it's not a sad book. You know, mm-hmm. it definitely fulfills kind of the ethos of those two guys. And when you read about them and in, in, in the afterward and, and, and stuff, it's, and even the characters in the books, you know, they're, they're living out their lives and, you know, it's about letting go and about accepting death, but it's not about that being necessarily a, a sad, terrifying thing. But I, it's I, just being about a part of life. Exactly. And I think at one point it says it gives shape to life. I think that's what one of the lines in it. Uh, it, it's just got a perfect beginning, middle, and end. I yeah. mean, it's it's one of those... I'll compare it to music. It's f- like finding that album you can listen to from start to finish and love every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. I already bought it just now. You did? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I picked up my phone and I bought it. <laughs> it's um, beautiful. You'll love it. I don't think there's anyone who won't love it. It affects so many people. And has been translated a few times now. And again, when I was in France, like the French editions of it sold like crazy. And the lineups for uh, Fabio and Gabrielle was just like enormous. And it's beautiful to see how this book has touched so many people because it means something different to everyone who reads it. Yeah. I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Especially oh, with great. like, I think for you, Steve, with your like, the father-son stuff, I think, will really get you. Yeah, great. I'll read it on the plane and be that guy on the plane. Like, yeah. I switch seats. Yeah. Uh, Hold uh, me. Stranger. Yeah. I don't know you, but you look squishy and warm. <laughs> and for me too, you know, I, you know, I, I tend to be a person who thinks a lot about death and and that inevitability and stuff. And sometimes I, I I get scared to read stuff about it because it brings up those feelings and it's something I don't like to think about, but. The way in which this book brings it up, it was m- more freeing than it than it was scary. You know, it was kind of like I felt like when I read The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which was a book that I was terrified to read because of, of what it's about. And in the end, no matter how de- depressing his situation might be, it was an uplifting story. And I feel the same way about Day Tripper. Actually, too. And if you're on the West Coast near Portland, uh, Fabio and Gabrielle are doing a signing in Portland at Tifa today. All right, so, so let's be Wednesday, the 22nd? Yep, today. Cool. Well, they might not be listening to it on Wednesday. Well, if you, yes, if you happen to be listening to this today and yeah. you happen to be, you know, in the area, they are doing a signing there, and I believe there's a barbecue and all kinds of fancy things <laughs> at Tifa that you can, you know, get your burger and booze on. And comics. Nice. Wow. Very nice. We have to do one of those here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Bob. I don't know how I follow that, but I'll try. <laughs> um, really quickly, because I already posted a review about this one uh, from uh, John Byrne. It's Doomsday Point One from IDW, which is a another straight sci-fi piece. In this case, it's an end-of-the-world uh, solar flare, basically, that doesn't dissipate as they thought and takes everything out. And It's what the next three issues will be, what's left, who's left, what their relationship is. Uh, it'll probably read really great as a trade, too. Mm-hmm. So if people are, don't want to jump in mm-hmm. right away, you may just want to wait three months. But it was just a heck of a lot of fun. Now, now is it similar to the, the highways? Is it a limited Yes, four run? issues. Okay. Just four. Um, it, it has the same title, basically, as a book he did 35 years ago as Art Robot back in those days. Uh, but if, if you enjoyed... Uh, things like Andromeda Strain or Colossus, okay. the sort of thinking science fiction, a silent running, those sort of mm-hmm. things from that period. 
it is a disaster movie, as someone pointed out to me in some ways. You know, right. it's Poseidon, but it's not yeah. just really, really very cool. And of course, it's it's wonderful John Byrne art. Mm-hmm. Very classic. Great colors by Leonard O'Grady. That's Doomsday Point One. I can't say too much about X Factor Two Fifty Six because people are probably still catching up. It's the, the finale, art. right? Though of Helen. The finale of, of this one. Did you read it yet, Steph? I did. I just read it yesterday, and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, some really wonderful surprises because they're horrible. <laughs> um, it's a it's an amazing cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. Yes, uh, and it really it it ties things together in a in a in a really bad bow, but it all gets tied together. I can't wait to see how this is going to actually end. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I'm excited <laughs> to, go, to read it. Finally, because I have all the issues collected. That's the same thing I'm doing. I'm yeah. going to sit down and just blow through it now. That's right. Steffi and I aren't saying anything. When you guys have read, you'll tell us and we'll have a nice big we X will. Factor party. We will. I know. We'll have a little gossip fest. Yeah. yeah. We'll crack out some wine <laughs> and we'll, we'll oh, do God. that. I have uh, so many terrible jokes today running around in my head, but I, I said one earlier and it failed, so I'm not going to say it a second time. <laughs> just leave it. How um, is that like, different than normal? Oh, oh my go God! For it. Go for it then, Steve. Tell <laughs> you kept it. saying that it tied everything together. I was going to say that it's the Lebowski's rug of comics. Yes. Yeah, See, when did you say that? That was way better than your last. It joke. was better than the <laughs> yeah. first joke. To be fair, if you had just gone with it, yeah. you'd have gotten a big laugh. Um, I was getting the stink eye from Bobby. Bobby had his his finger over the mute <laughs> yeah, button. The mute. He was ready. <laughs> Speaking of big laughs, there's FF Seven. That book uh, was great. Which is just, uh, we are tied in a little bit with the regular Fantastic Four and that Blastar is around as part of the new Frightful Four, which is part of the old Frightful Four because Medusa is apparently hypnotized <laughs> into doing really bad stuff, which is kidnapping Bentley and taking everyone into the negative zone. We get uh, Darla having a big moment, hmm. Mr. Mr. Dragon Man and doing some cool stuff, and don't want to say too much here either there's a well, lot going on i mean i'll tell you why i loved it for two two sure. specific reasons one it was kids being able to be superheroes and do superhero like things uh they kicked some major ass in this issue yeah. and it's it was fun it was fun it's bright it's colorful it's loose like it just it's a good time comic it's mm-hmm. it's fun and the other thing was scott's role in this whole thing of that he's now taken over for reed is I just finished reading Young Avengers, the original uh, Heinberg, where Cap is always trying to do the whole protective, you know, mother hen thing where he doesn't want any of the young mutants or or superheroes to be out in the world because they could get hurt. Mm -hmm. Scott kind of takes a different approach. He's like, you could choke on your French toast and I wouldn't be able to save you. He Mm -hmm. goes, I would rather you fight and and do what you feel that you should do in the moment rather than you going off into some part of the building where I don't know if you're safe. Mm-hmm. So stay in front of me and let loose. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they do. And I, I really liked that approach to it. Cause that's what this, that's what people want to see in this comic is fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, we still have the serious stuff. Scott is still processing Cassie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just really uh, an, just another triumph all the way through. This has been uh, just amazing what Matt Fraction has done. Coming off of the Hickman mm-hmm. runs, you just said, well, how do you follow that? Well, he's found a way. Yeah. And found his own way. Um, really quickly for two more, and I'll be out of mm-hmm. here. Uh, Batgirl number 20, mm-hmm. which is the aftermath of WTF month. <laughs> um, 
Batgirl's got problems. She did something she's not particularly proud of. Uh, we see her running into her psychiatrist's office to try to say, help me here, talk to me. What, what, what have I done wrong? How do I fix this? Uh, we get to see a really creepy new villain, though she's been around a bit, I understand, though I haven't seen her before. Uh, it's, this is the it's, new ventriloquist. It, yeah, it's a, it's a reimagining of the ventriloquist. Yeah. Um, we do get to see her at a birthday party as an eight-year-old, and how yeah. she gets to where she's going here. Right. Really, really well done. Really scary, and yet still is usually filled with Gail Simone's I'm curious. Moments. I was actually hoping you'd bring this up, because I was curious as to what she thought of, is it Ferdy is the... The ventriloquist dummy. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the dialogue coming from that character? Because the dialogue was very much in the vein of things that you usually don't like in comics. This is, it's very grown up. It is very nasty. Right. It is very, how do we, how do we put this exactly? Well, it's very, di- it's very, very derogatory. Direct, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, uh, and it's, it targets women basically and and it's insulting and uh cat calling in mm-hmm. in you absolutely know, in now because ways. because what you have here is now i'm i'm assuming this is all from the ventriloquist right so it's a woman's own lo- self-loathing right it's also the villain right yeah, yeah. okay i just wanted yeah. to make sure yeah yeah yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious yeah, yeah. no it, it so it's it's an exploration of this wounded person and mm. the reason she is is we see this is one of those times where you do see her as a little girl and it now makes sense mm. why she's mm. the way she is now it is very graphic mm-hmm. yeah but okay. it, from where it's coming from though this is not a book filled with yeah this book has been filled with chuckles though no. The last year, so. I just like to. I just like to <laughs> check in on Bob. Hasn't been since she came back. Yeah, I know. No. I like to check in and find out where Bob's at. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I look. I no offense to people reading, you know, Archie or My Little Pony or those other fun things. There's a place for reading this or Mike Hammer or anything else. Where to me, where things get gratuitous, where things are uselessly done. That way, I actually have a question about some of this a little yeah. later. That gets to be a problem. Gail's never gone there. She's been blunt and direct, and that goes back into Birds of Prey days and a lot of other things, mm-hmm. or work on Wonder Woman. So not yeah. a problem mm-hmm. for now, until <laughs> something really mm-hmm. changes here. Yeah. Uh, cool. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, actual book of the week is Avengers, The Enemy Within Number One, which is the start of the five-issue crossover with Captain Marvel. It's Kelly Sue DeConnick. In this case, another new artist, Scott Hepburn. Mm-hmm who does a really, really nice job. It's another, another style, but it's all, they're all in the same family. Yeah, th- this style is like somewhere in between like the, extre- the, the extremity of Philippe Andrade's yeah. art and a, nor- a kind of a run-of-the-mill superhero yeah. book, for lack of a better term. Everybody looks very Italian. In this, I don't know what. That's really? true. They because they're waving their hands here. <laughs> no, there's something about the the faces, the facial. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the way the masks are sitting on the face. Yeah. Up here, you you say what you're going to say. I'll find you okay. a panel. Um, we're, we're we're picking up right from the end of the last Captain Marvel issue, so people thinking this is you know just self-contained. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we're picking up on the threats that were Deathbird and the mystery villain at the end of the last issue. There's a kidnapping here, a scavenger hunt for a human being, nonetheless. Uh, but tons of great uh, Jessica Drew Spider-Woman stuff w- with, with Carol, who's still dealing with her health issues. It's exciting, exciting, boy, exciting, <laughs> scary, creepy, 
um, great character moments, lots of fun too. It isn't all dark, and it's that fun that sets up the mm-hmm. darkness where they're where they're bantering back and forth, and it's all murdered into tiny little pieces. Yeah, is reasonably followed by okay, a big fight with Thor and dinosaurs in Central Park. Yeah. It's just Jessica. It's not the other characters. <laughs> forget just me. I'm forget I'm off tonight. Forget, forget it. you. Um, but it is is a. If you've been reading Captain Marvel, you need to pick this up. If you haven't been reading Captain Marvel, you haven't been listening to our show. Um, <laughs> but really, you'd have to go back about three issues. Maybe you'd have to go back to issue nine. I would say. Yeah, probably. Yeah, to get the full. Yeah. Yeah. It very what her much problem it, is. Yeah. Yeah. It very much is really like Captain Marvel. Number whatever, what number are we supposed to be on by this point? Number twelve. It really yeah, feels like number thirteen. Yeah. yeah, it's like twelve and a half basically, or or you know, it could be thirteen Dude. if it wasn't this number yeah. one. Uh, so you do need to read it, but it was great. Um, now, just really quick, the back of the issue has yes, a little bit. Yes, we of, should discuss that. Has a problem with the the dates on the issues. I don't know if you want to talk about yeah. it real quick, Bob. Uh, what we have is coming up next in the enemy within it. The last page would be the letter page. They show you. Avengers Assemble 16, Captain Marvel 13, Avengers Assemble 17, Captain Marvel 14. That's how you read them. Mm. But then the dates they list are July 17th, June 19th, August 7th, and then July 17th. Yeah. That is incorrect. I have cleared this with with Kelly Sue, and she says, no, that's just a terrible typo. Mm -hmm. That's the order. They'll come out into your stores in the order they're supposed to, and Mm -hmm. just you'll be able to read them properly. Do not pay any attention to the comic books behind the curtain. So strange, so very strange that that, that numbering thing. But no, it was it was great. Like you said, laughs, action. You know, the, I think it's like the what this series does best in an issue. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, did you read it? Uh, no, no, <laughs> not yet. Okay. I'm a little bit behind on Captain Marvel stuff okay. right now, so I've been collecting them, and then I'm gonna read them all at once. Another one of those. Uh, cool. Okay, okay. Alrighty. Um. So. I didn't really. I forgot to talk about it at the top of the show, but what we're doing for our topic tonight is similar to what we did a few weeks ago when Joey was on the show, where we did our top five ongoing series, but we made sure on purpose to to leave off the books we always talk about. Uh, this week we're doing a similar thing, but with writers. So we're doing our top five writers, um, but we're going to be, as Bob calls it, ruthless about ruthless. C- cutting out the writers that we usually talk about. Now this is on a case by case basis, so. You know, um, I, I wouldn't tell Bob not to talk about, let's say, Jeff Lemire, because Bob never talks about Jeff Lemire, but I always talk about Jeff Lemire, so I'm not going to talk about him. Um, uh, we will talk about the writers like we, did, like we did last time when we talked about the series we weren't going to talk about. We'll do the same thing with the writers, um, but we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back after this. Right, we are back, and as we said, we are going to be doing uh, top five current writers, and we're going to try to exclude the writers uh, that we've talked about ad nauseum. So, um, just because we want to make it interesting, we don't want to be talking about the same people, much like we did with this with the ongoing series, as I said. Um, so, I'm going to go first. I I kind of made a a a, uh, a, top, a a list of the five writers I'm not going to talk about. 
this would probably actually be my top five if we were doing it just without this kind of caveat. Mm-hmm. But these writers will not be on my top five. Okay. Scott Snyder, Mark Wade, Jeff Lemire, Grant Morrison, and Jeff Johns. That would be my kind of like, that's my top five. I'm also not going to talk about Kelly Sudaconic, Matt Fraction, Jonathan Hickman, Greg Rucka, or Gail Simone. Those are the people I'm, I'm not going to talk about. Bob, what about you? Uh, the not talk about list. The not talk about not list. Not talk Bob. about list. Jonathan Hickman, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gail Simone, Peter David, Mark Wade, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Parker. Should we or shouldn't we? <laughs> well, I talk about him every week. You do. So, I don't but, think. I don't know. You don't no? really ever mention him at nausea. Like, yeah, we don't. We haven't talked. I think at length about him so much. You've mentioned his name a bunch in his books okay. more than his kind of. The bigger things that make him a great writer. Okay, so, so maybe we'll keep him to the side. Yeah, keep him to the side. Uh, I, I could go on about John Byrne forever, but I always do. So we'll right leave yeah. him to the side. One day we'll do a list of top five writers ever, and right. you talk right. So a lot about I him. think those are my not talk about. Okay, all right, Stephanie. What about you? Um, I think it's sort of like Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Brian K. Vaughn. Um, I don't know who else would really fill out that list that we talk about constantly, but I'm sure there's someone else in there. But right, okay. I will but I try think that's not good to for talk you. about yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and Steve, who are you not going to talk about? Uh, I'm not going to talk about Matt Fraction. I'm not going to talk about Jonathan Hickman, Kelly Studeconic, Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, or Luna Brothers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to wow. be to be fair. I have not talked about the Lunar Brothers in a very long time. Because they haven't, I haven't had anything just, else yeah. for a long <laughs> All time. three of us are going to yeah. say the same thing. So, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll go with the Lunar Brothers as my last. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. <laughs> Thanks, friend. <laughs> just here to throw you under the bus every night. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Keeping you honest. <laughs> Hug. Long distance hug. Yeah, <laughs> mental hugs. Yeah. Hug it out. <laughs> He's not looking huggable right now, I gotta tell you. I think that's just his facade. My ears are flattened and the hair on my back is up. That's because you need a hug. Meow. Oh boy. Okay. Animal noise is done. Hey. All right. Hey, kitty cat. <laughs> All right. Stephanie, why don't you start out? Give us your give us your number five. Ooh. Well, to be fair, I didn't really put them in any particular order. Well, they're going to be in order now. I will <laughs> give you my number five. So my number five is Brian Q. Miller. Okay. So basically he's my number five, though, because he hasn't done too much outside of like my one thing that I love about him, which is Stephanie Brown's Batgirl. I mean, he has, but... Well, he's doing I the Smallville book right now. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't read that. Mm-hmm. But he's my number five because that's like my series that I think it's probably one of my favorite series ever and i can come back to it over and over and over again and he just such has such a great grasp on the characters and i think he rocks he's awesome all right awesome bob okay um really we'll save jeff parker for later in the list okay since i got him back i got him back i got him back um this is a strange one caleb monroe Hmm. Hmm, everyone Hmm. says I only from one book that I'm reading. It's Steed and Mrs. Peel. Okay. It is very hard to put a book together on characters. I'm so familiar with these from the shows. I know the voices. I know the action. I would know the sort of plots they would have. And he picked up from Mark Wade, who did the Zero issue yeah. seamlessly, mm-hmm. and are telling stories that would have fit in 
45 years ago. Right. It's just that well done. And that, that is one of the hardest things to do. We always talk about these licensed characters. Now you do them properly. Mm. This is one of them. So Caleb Monroe is my number five. Awesome. Steve, number five. My number five is an author that I was just recently introduced to, and I've only read two of his works, but my number five is Craig Thompson, who is the writer of Habibi and Blankets mm-hmm. that I talked about uh, the last couple of weeks on the podcast. I There are two books that have really stuck with me. With all the things that we read, I was very, very much affected. I don't remember in recent months reading something as large that quickly. Uh, blew through both of those. Just a wonderful, wonderful story. And even though we're not talking about them, I will use his name as a reference. <laughs> well, you, It's not like it's taboo. You can mention the <laughs> all name. Right. But you know, we all know... The L word? I'm just... Yeah, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Lemire, there it is, <laughs> has had some books uh, since we started doing this that have really gotten to me and mm-hmm. have really put me in a place emotionally where I was kind of taken aback by how affected I was by these stories. And Craig Thompson had a very Jeff Lemire-like effect on me that a story that I didn't even know was that I was going to identify with because of its content as much as I did uh, spirituality and love and your first love and all of those things of how much of my life was mirrored and at least blankets, not so much Habibi. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about that, <laughs> but um, <laughs> blankets just was one of those things where I felt really, really close to the book that I had in my hands. And sometimes we read comics just for entertainment and just to have a good time. But this was something that I was really invested in. And I felt that the minute that I put it down, that I was like I was away from it, and I, I missed it. I wanted to keep reading to it, reading it until it was over. So I'm gonna have to give him the top five spot because I haven't felt like that in a long time. So Craig Thompson for number five. Awesome. How about for you, Bobby? Um, so my number five is an author we've talked about somewhat, but actually a lot. But um, Peter J. Tomasi is my number five. Nice. Uh, writer of Batman and Robin. Um, I don't want to talk too much about him because we have talked about him. But the, the simple fact is, if you know, if not for the fact that Scott Snyder has been so brilliant uh, on Batman, I think Batman and Robin will be talked about a, a hmm. lot more than it's talked about right now because I think it's been consistently excellent. Uh, so is, his work on Green Lantern Corps has also been very good. He seems to be great at taking characters that you know, people at least at one point or another didn't like very much and making them very likable and very relatable. Um, his work in the post Damien stuff has just been, you know, note perfect. Uh, we talked about that, the silent issue when it came out and how pretty much perfect it was. And, you know, I, I get of course intensely excited about Scott Snyder's Batman, but you know, I, I think that Batman and Robin rounds out the, that experience with the dark Knight very, very well. So he gets my number five. Um, and speaking of the L word really quick, Mr. Jeff Lemire, uh, he, his, uh, uh, 99 cent digital first Superman adventure Superman story came out, uh, oh. last week hmm. and it's, it's completely Lemire. You know, it's two little kids, uh, uh, pretending to be superheroes nice. and one of them pretending to be Superman. One is pretending to be a, 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 a villain. And it's told kind of that wistful, very, you know, Essex County type of feel to it. Uh, Done very, very well. But I just want to bring that up really quick. That book. Stephanie, your number four. Um, My number four is actually Curtis Weeb. 
um, for his work with Green Wake and then Peter Panzerfaust as well, which I've been working on getting caught up with. And I am really, really enjoying it. And now really looking forward to what they do with the motion comic as well. And yeah. Cool. So Curtis Weeb, your number four. Yep. Bob, your number four. Uh, my number four is also a guest we've had here. It's Yale Stewart. All right. Ooh. Wow. Left field, Bob. JL8, to me, has some of the most on-model presentations of the DC characters mm. that, that are around right mm. now. He has a wonderful print that's coming out for Heroes Con as well. Of Have you seen... Was the... that the one with Batman and Superman standing with the shadow? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The gorgeous. little kids and then the shadow of them grown up. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. If you're going to Heroes Con, pick it up. So good. <laughs> <laughs> but in the latest series of strips, we've seen Diana become the princess. She's mm-hmm. supposed to be and very touching with Clark, who feels something for her, but that's not going well. And mm-hmm. just, just lovely. And I want that to be a comic book so much. As much fun as it is reading it online, mm-hmm. more people need to see that. And it would only happen if there's a book. DC's yeah. got to get on the stick with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love absolutely. to see him do a Kickstarter. To, to have like a collected version, but he can't of, do that. Can't he can't. That. He can't make any money off of it. Oh, that's right. Because it's all DC property. Oh, they would have to literally give sign off on it. To, yeah. Yeah. For him to be able to do it. Otherwise, oh. he will get the pantsuit off of him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I had a letter from someone. Now I don't even remember who it was. Who was saying maybe to counteract the Scotty Young covers, DC DC should hire Yale Stewart to do JL8 covers hmm. on oh, their books. No. they're so cute but i just don't think they have a place on the um (laughs) all right yeah that's it for me good number four steve my number four slot is going to alesh cot i like him i like him i would hope so if he's on your list for reasons for reasons no (laughs) i uh i really 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 enjoyed obviously everybody who listens to the podcast knows this i was raving about wild children when it came out if you have not read it it's not for everyone but if it's for you then it's really for you because it is fun I really loved his debut on Suicide Squad just uh, last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, very intriguing, very much the vibe that I want for that book, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do with it. I did not really understand his other uh, work called Change that yeah. came out, that four-parter. It was one of the most confusing <laughs> things that I've ever read in my life. I read it twice, and I still don't get it. I, I get pieces of it but i don't i don't get it at all but it doesn't bother me that i don't get it because maybe one day i will he has a very hunter s thompson vibe about his writing and just he comes from a very very strange corner of the comic books industry he's very i hate to use the word edgy but uh, i follow him on twitter and he is just he's a very active guy he's he's got his hands in a lot of cookie jars he's political without being preachy and he's into some really good music and he just i've had a couple of conversations with him online and he's just always been uh very gracious and and just very cool Mm -hmm. towards me and i really dig him not not only as a person but as a writer uh He's a, a growing talent in the industry that I'm going to keep my eye on. I'm very excited to see what comes from him. Very cool. Oh, very yeah. cool. Uh, my number four is Brian Wood. 
Um, been loving the work on Star Wars. Uh, the Massive has been, uh, well, the first volume anyway, which I have not read the second volume yet because I'm only reading it in trade form now, but it was was great. And I've really, really been kind of obsessing over that Mara book uh, lately. Um, it's just, it's an interesting kind of pseudo superhero book in a, in a very different trappings, beautiful art. Um, and I'm insanely excited about X-Men coming up and, you know, he just has a particular way of writing complicated themes in a very relatable way and everything that he he writes is just interesting and that's kind of a bland word to use for for something uh, so intricate, but he's a master at fascinating me with detail and I've really taken a liking to that, over, especially over the last six months or so. Uh, Stephanie, you're number three. My number three is probably someone who actually should have been on my no-talkie list, but whatever. <laughs> um, Terry Moore. So, you know, he's just been killing it with Rachel Rising, and um, it's just consistently one of my favorite books that comes out, and I can never get enough of it at once like I just want to reread it over and over again because it's so great and I mean obviously Rachel Rising isn't the first thing that he's done he's done Echo and he's done Strangers in Paradise and I believe he even did work on Runaways am I wrong I I, do, I don't, don't think you're wrong but I'll look it think up so <laughs> I I feel like he did I know there was some more Tony what? Moore maybe yeah was it Tony Moore well Tony Moore's the artist Oh my god, a third. Tony Moore's an artist. Terrible joke. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you probably see. shouldn't. No, this one I sh- really shouldn't. Um, okay. But, anyways, Terry Moore is just fantastic. I just can't get enough of his work. And, I mean, now with the end of Rachel Rising coming up, um, I'm going to need to go through his back catalog and kind of enjoy some of his previous works to this. And,. You know, yeah. Anyways, he was on Runaways, by the way. I was googling. Yes, we yeah. Talking. Volume but, volume nine, uh, yeah. Dead Wrong with uh, Umberto Ramos was the yeah. artist. But ah. um, but yeah, Terry Moore. There you go. He should have been on your no talkie list, by the way. Right. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I thought about it afterwards. Like I narrowed it down to the people who I talk. There's people I talked about more though. That might no. be true, but we talk. You talk about him a lot, um, uh, Bob. You're number three. Uh, number three again. Something off just one title. Uh, Chris Roberson. All right. Masks, which could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. So many characters having to juggle a time period. It's a spider novel from 1938. Fit those stories into this, and then add seven other superheroes from the pulp and radio era. Brilliantly done. All these characters just absolutely sing. The the opening issue where, where the shadow just introduces himself to the Green Hornet and Cato is just absolutely chilling. And it's all in just the way that it's written and the way the panel gets laid out that way. I will read other stuff that he does. Steph, didn't you say it's something else I should be checking out soon? Um, He has a couple of things, I think, going on. But, I mean, uh, Memorial from IDW is really good. Mm-hmm. Um. It had like a limited sort of first half, and now it's on its second half, and I've been enjoying it. Um, let's see what else did well, he I do? Well, iZombie, right? He, yeah, he did iZombie as well, okay. mm-hmm. which I think kind of came to a very quick end, but was still really enjoyable. And 
I dug the, you know, the way they took that and gave the zombie thing a different spin. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's pretty great. Thank Absolutely. you. Steve, you're number three. My number three spot is going to go to Catherine Imonen. Uh, I really, really loved her. The first thing I read by her, I believe, was the Patsy Walker uh, Hellcat mm-hmm. series, which I absolutely laughed my ass off. She has a she had I think it was one of her first books with Stuart Imonen. Uh, Stuart did the art. She did the writing. A book called Moving Pictures that I actually lent to Bob. It was very interesting. Yes. And she's currently writing the Journey into Mystery series that I love so much. And she just, I find her to be a very unique female voice in comics. She's got a very, very strange approach to her. Uh, I've mentioned on the show once or twice before that um, I kind of compare her a little bit to Chuck Palahniuk in a sense of that his stories, each one of them always has its own kind of rhythm that it takes you maybe a couple of chapters to to catch it, but once you do, you you hit the ground running and you really get going with it. She's the same way. It takes an issue, even an issue and a half, but once you catch that rhythm and once you're settled into it, it's just like a, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's just she's so much fun to read, very creative, and not afraid to do the bizarre and and just run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, my journey into mystery is weird. Um, everything I've ever read by her, the Patsy Walker stuff was weird. It's always weird, but it's always a good weird. It's not bad weird. Uh, I would love that if uh, Simon Spurrier ever left uh, X-Men Legacy, I don't know what kind of numbers that book make, makes, if it's even going to last. But if he decided to take a step down from it, I would absolutely love to see her on that book. Mm-hmm. I think she would do wonders with that character. So, yeah, Catherine Amonin for number three. Very cool. Um, my number three is an author I've been talking about a lot in the last, I think, month or so, but uh, Rick Remender is my number three. Uh, really off the strength of both Uncanny X-Force now into Uncanny Avengers. Um, he, It's funny you talk about uh, Immerman being crazy and weird. Uh I feel like Remender excels at that as well. He mm-hmm. embraces the fact, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, that he's writing comic books, you know, and he he likes to dig and delve into the the weirder parts, I think, of comic book history and lore. And I think in titles like X Force, where he wrote the best Deadpool I've ever read. You know, um, where he made a character who I'd never heard of before in Phantom X become one of my favorite characters in the entire Marvel Universe. Uh, wrote a great Psylocke, you know, a really tragic and and well put together Archangel story um, into now this second arc of Uncanny Avengers, which has started to explore the same sort of uh, territory and... He started to bring out, you know, uh, focusing down on uh, Rogue a lot now, and and bringing out those characters and the and some of the, also the the more sideline characters that haven't he hasn't been dealing with yet. Uh, just big and crazy, and it's not, you know, Remender stuff. While it can be fun, it, it is is dark, you know, to use a very generic word for it. He goes into darkness, but he hasn't. It never feels gratuitous to me. It always feels like he's earned it, and he's. It's true to his tone, and you know, I'll say it. I've said it. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Uncanny X Force, his run on it is 
probably one of my favorite runs of any book I've read since doing this, getting back into doing this, and it's something that everybody should read. So Recommender is my number three. All right, Stephanie, you're number two. So my number two is Joe Hill. Ooh, nice. Um, I, I don't think I really, I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't really read a lot of his stuff until I jumped onto Lock and Key and it's just like, I mean, it didn't change my life, but it was just <laughs> so incredible. And it brought me into a world of comics that I don't really typically read. Horror is really not my genre. And it just does such a great job of grabbing you and pulling you into it. And it's dark and creepy and sinister. And you can't help but want to read more of it. It gives you shivers, but it's so well done that it's just, you know, it's a must read. And the same with the cape. The cape is so dark. Mm. It just, I mean, that shit is twisted. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Yeah, I love it. But that. I mean, it's one of those things where we spoke about it earlier where I hate those stories in which people apologize for the villain and this makes no apologies for itself. It's straight up. This guy is evil for the sake of being evil. And I mm. love it. Mm -hmm. It is exactly what a villain story should be from start to finish. And Joe Hill just grasps exactly what he needs to put on paper to make the most impact necessary. And I think, I mean, he's been doing a lot of like novel stuff lately but I hope he remains in comics and continues to bring on these creepy mm. pieces that like allow me to be a part of a world again that I'm not normally a part of. Part of your world. Has Don't anybody bring the Little Mermaid into this thing? <laughs> Has anybody read a Joe Hill novel? I haven't read any of them. No. Okay. I want to read the new one, the Nosferatu. Because I need a book to read on my trip next week. Perhaps I will pick it up and I'll come back and I'll talk about it. Well, I also heard that uh, Heart Shaped Box, I think it was his first novel, Ooh. is really good. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right. <clears throat> Bob, you're number two. Number two, Cullen Bunn. Uh, oh, wow. Fearless, That's Fearless a Fearless number two. Um, this is a book that really I didn't expect to like. I mm. wanted to not like it, I think, at a certain level. And mm. so I need, don't need to start buying anything else. I'm buying enough crap that I can't afford, <laughs> let alone throwing some characters together that didn't seem like it would work. He's found this fish-out-of-water thing where you've got Misty Night street-level thing going on. Valkyrie, you've got uh, side characters, Doom Maidens and Hippolyta moving in here. It's hysterically funny. It's filled with action and characters you can relate to, despite them being, you know, Norse gods and everything else. Right. Really just writes very, very solid characters. They're very recognizable as human beings. He was right outside this, this top five list for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just bought, actually, uh, the first volume of Six Gun. I haven't read it yet, but I have it, and I'm excited to check it out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, cool. Steve, you're number two. My number two is actually somebody that we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Hmm. Um, ooh, who could it be? Today <laughs> <laughs> we should go take a commercial break. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Come yeah. Back. Find out. Yeah. Now, my number two spot is going to go to Mr. Matt Kint. All right. I am absolutely just, I was really, really taken by his series, Mind Management. I love it. I love that he he writes it. He draws it, 
And as I stated before about the series, he uses every inch of that comic, every page, everything that you pay for. He gives you something, the the first arc, all the covers, the back of them, they actually uh, fit together to form like this giant subliminal message poster that's really cool. All these like fake candy products and hygiene products and crap like that. And the ideas that he's come up with in this story, all these different agents with all these different mind powers and manipulation of the media and all these things are, it's like, it's like comics for conspiracy theorists, like people (laughs) that always believe that there's this secret organization or there's, you know, uh, when they used to take little clips of film and splice in pictures of like Coca-Cola or popcorn, Mm -hmm. just one frame in the middle of the film, like you're watching Titanic and all of a sudden it's just popcorn or Coca-Cola. And all of a sudden in the back of your mind, you're thirsty or you're hungry and you're like, oh, like I, I need some popcorn, man. That is essentially what he's doing with mind management. And I think it's brilliant. Um, it's like I said, it's consistently good. The second arc, I believe, is ending soon if it hasn't already. But it is—he's—he's he's fantastic. I can't wait to see more from him. I really dig his art. I like his kind of sloppy watercolor style mm-hmm. that he's got going on. I find it very unique. And he's just like like a less cod. He's just another writer that I feel has kind of just come onto the scene who with a day these debuts that they're that they're having is just it reeks of success and strong writers for for me personally uh i just love his delivery of his material so matt kent for number two cool uh my number two is actually also joe hill so i don't want to talk too much more uh about him but i agree with all the stuff stephanie said uh you know i think I think it's easy to be, you know, write things that are fucked up. It's easy, I, I think. But it's hard to write those things and somehow not alienate the person who was reading it, you know? There's a certain way he brings you into the people who exist in, the, in these worlds that he's creating that allow you to be able to handle the, these these things because you're so along for the ride with the people that you're experiencing them with. And uh, the other thing, too, is just the world-building thing. Lock and Key feels like a living, breathing world with a long history and long mythology, and that's without him really telling you very much about it for most of that book. So uh, it's amazing stuff, and world-building to me is always incredibly impressive when it comes to writers. Uh, all right, we're into the big time here. Stephanie, you're number one. So my number one is actually someone who we've already mentioned. Um, again, it's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is the writer of GV8 and Mara and The Massive. And that is Brian Wood. Um, I wasn't always a really big fan of his. I There's times when I've just found his writing to be kind of just not up my alley, but in the last like year or so, he's really evolved into someone that someone's work that I can just get behind. And I've enjoyed the massive and like Mara is just going all these cool places. It started out. So like not normal, but it, I mean, it didn't have like that supernatural element or anything. Mm -hmm. And it's just changed into something really neat. And I want to see where it's going. And the same with the massive, it does such a good job of telling a realistic 
um, global warming tale. And it's, I mean, it's top notch. Um, again, I don't want to go on about him too much because, again, Bobby spoke about him. But, you know, Deviate with art from, I believe it was Rebecca Isaacs, is amazing. I loved it. And there's so many other things that he's done that I've just been beyond impressed with that, that it, it would have been stupid for him to not be on my top five list. <laughs> That's the best reason. Yeah, exactly. So stupid. Exactly. <laughs> Bob, I think I can guess who your number one yes, is. Yes, well, since we didn't mention Jeff Parker coming into number one, there's yeah. no, it's, we spoiled that. Yeah. I won't talk about Red She-Hulk again because I already did. But mm. what he did with Thunderbolts, the real Thunderbolts, and, and then through Dark Avengers, when all the AVX hubbub was going on, chugging along every month was mm. this great story of these converted villains, Luke Cage running the program. Uh, we had... Mr. Hydeback, Satana, the, the man thing, all sorts of crazy stuff going on, time travel, and it never lost its way as a book about people. That they were recognizably the people, that, the characters had been around since back in, in Kurt Buzek's days, they were all in there, they had all grown, they all kept learning something, they became real heroes. Some of these villains who were irredeemably bad people found their way under the way this was written, and it seemed organic and natural and wonderful. It's mm. really a shame he won't be continuing any of the books I'm reading. <laughs> so, sadly, Jeff Parker, hopefully he'll find something else to do and they will be on my list for next year. Yeah. Well, he also has that really fun um, webcomic-turned-collected-edition bucko that he did with Erica Moen. That's a lot of fun, too, hmm. yeah, and if he's... you want something outside of you know superheroes and such. Yeah, and he's also going to be doing the Batman 66 comic can't, can't for, wait for, that. Uh, for DC. Ooh, so it's nice. pr- pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right, Steve, you're all number right. one, sir. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't give uh, my last uh, pick, Matt, uh, Matt Kent, I just really quick wanted to mention his work on uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, mm-hmm. how he picked up seamlessly for Lemire on that title. Uh, in all the times that I've seen somebody take a book over and keep the exact same tone dialogue um presentation all of that stuff wonderful and he he really sent that uh series off on a high note that mm-hmm. i was really enjoying got canceled early but he left it in a place that i was very i was very very satisfied sad to see it go mm-hmm. but it was awesome yeah so number one bum bum bum, bum is mind the gap writer jim mccann huh. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, Jim McCann, not only is he a wonderful, wonderful human being, very smiley, very friendly, very cool, but Mind the Gap, I recently reread the whole thing from the start and could not get over not only how good it was, but just how taken I was by the world. You were talking about world building mm-hmm. and things like that. Like The world of Mind the Gap might not be necessarily world building, but it's certainly it it builds you at least like is can I say town building? <laughs> like you pretty much you're staying within this this limited range of family and friends and and so on and so forth. But the mystery of Mind the Gap, like I still don't know. I think it's uh, the last Wednesday of this month, the 29th. The final issue uh, comes out. Not the final issue, but the one that's going to reveal who the perpetrator has been mm-hmm. this entire time. 
I don't even have I don't even have a guess. <laughs> like I really don't. I don't even have a guess. And they've given you clues. They've flat out told you, look at this, look at that, you know, mold this over. It could be this person. So many people are involved in this thing at this point that I have no idea when they pull that that hoodie off of the head who it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that I won't know until I get to that page. Not only do I love the mystery aspect of that, but the excitement that I have to see that reveal. And I just, I admire his ability to write people as people. And in the bizarre circumstances that that book is, people are still behaving um, like the characters that they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it all goes back to the questions and the mystery. I love a book that keeps me guessing and more so than anything else that I've read this year, he's consistently done that with Mind the Gap. And right now he's my favorite uh, writer aside from my other favorites. Right. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Uh, My number one is uh, Kieran Gillen. Nice. Uh, Obviously uh, he's writing Young Avengers right now, uh, which has been you know, uh, I think a very special book and is developing this something that isn't, is unlike anything else, uh, in the universe right now. Uh, you know, but for me, the, the, my love for him comes directly from his work on journey into mystery, which he was working on before Marvel now began. Um, I, I think that was a book that not a lot of people read, but I think is genius level work, taking a character and a version of a character that on the outside seems kitschy, that seems cheap in in Kid Loki, and making him a vital, vibrant, heroic member uh, of the Marvel Universe while still having him be very much Loki. You know, he's going to be, his whole kind of ethos is, I'm going to be a hero, but I'm going to do it my way. You know? And that includes being tricky, it includes lying, it includes yeah. taking advantage. And the fact that Karen Gillan did these things where he played off the the image of the character, you know, to be a hero. He would he would take people's expectations that he was going to be the bad guy and use it to be the hero. And 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 he also de- you know he developed a personal pain for Loki that I don't think has ever existed before. And he's continued that into Young Avengers, which is. Um, a, a vibrant book that, and, and he said very much that is meant to deal with what it's like to be a teenager right now, uh, and it's just he's got th- this way of thinking about things that is just I don't understand it. I don't understand how he comes mm-hmm. up with the things he comes up with, and I love that because I'm constantly surprised by what he's writing. There you go. So there you go. There's my number one. There are our lists. If you, we want to know you guys' list too, though, mm-hmm. um, info at talkingcomicbooks.com is probably the best place, or facebook.com slash talkingcomics, because you'll have the ample space to write a top five list. Or but, you can just post it on the podcast comment page. Yeah. As well at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, and of course, if you want to do Twitter, it's at talkingcomics. Um, so we also, of course, have uh, some listener questions that we got in, so we're going to move on to those as we Ooh. chug along here. Um Let's see. Oh, I got to get him back up. I got the wrong page up. All right. Hold on a second here. Nope. Dun, 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 this is great dun, radio. Dun, here we go. Dun, here dun, it is. Dun, 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 Fabulous radio. Here it is. All right. So this is from Leonardo Nieves, and he said, instead of ca- casting for characters, let's pick a bunch of actors and cast them in a role. 
So here are the actors for a comp for a comic book movie. So here are his list of actors: Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Denzel Washington, Channing Tatum, Ryan Gosling, Marissa Tomei, Megan Fox, and Michelle Rodriguez. We're not going to do all of them. Pick two and do it. Bob, you you've been you've been talking about this. So I need to, I than, need to see that list. Here you go. It's right there. Um, Bob, why don't you go ahead? Okay. You can do more than one if you, two okay. if you want to. If you um, well, Michelle Rodriguez was the first one that hit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renee Montoya, the question. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. Should be good. She's very angry all the time, though. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, she had the mask on. Yeah, you, you wouldn't ever know. Um, some, one of the problems is we have a couple of older actors mm-hmm. on this list. So Denzel Washington, obviously fabulous actor, but at yeah. 50 years old. Mm-hmm. What so I think then, younger Denzel. Are you going to take mine? Go ahead. What were you going to say? Black Panther. Falcon. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but right now, uh, he could be Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific, who is the oh, smartest yeah. guy in the, in the DC the universe. The third smartest man in the DC universe. Yeah. <laughs> so that could definitely work. But Marissa Tomei, it's the same thing. The younger Marissa mm-hmm. could have been the Scarlet Witch or mm-hmm. Spider-Woman or anything else. But mm-hmm. now, she could be Nick Fury's girlfriend, Countess Valentina Alessa de Fontaine, and I've got the old Jim Steranko's here. Um, take a look. That's her upper. Right. Oh yeah, this character does look very much like Marissa Tomei. That's crazy. <laughs> Bob is a wealth of knowledge. He is. There she is. She really does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think she could play. Uh, what's her name? Oh, God. Uh, the 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 actual head of Shield. Like, it's not Maria Hill. She has, like, the person above her. Daisy something, I think, right? I don't remember her name. I don't hmm. remember her name either. She's in Secret no. Avengers all of the time right now. But uh, I think she could play that, that character really, really well. Um, who else? Yeah, uh, Ryan Gosling, who I don't know from much of anything. Okay. But I saw the stills from Gangster Squad mm-hmm. and see him dressed up in period right. get-up like that. Mm-hmm. The spirit. Hmm. Didn't they already do that, Bob? <laughs> really badly. Really badly. But I think we could we could make that work now. Uh, Channing Tatum? I don't know. Punisher? Ooh. Ooh. I've got one for him. Go. Go. Colossus from X-Men. Ooh, hmm. I like that. Yeah, they, were, they just don't even bulk him up at all. He just put the metal on him. Exactly. Yeah. He's already all hulking and stuff. That's true. He is. Uh, Steve, mm. you looked at the list. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> Not really. I got one really weird idea in my head, but I okay. know they'd, they'd never do it. Ryan Gosling as Dark Man, but then they'd have to cover. They'd have to bandage his face up. They would have to. Bandage they'd have to cover up all the pretty. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think they would go for it. I think acting chops wise, I think he'd make a great Dark Man. Yeah. Um, I could see him in the long coat and the hat, and you know, capering about and mm. doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, didn't Darkman, like, he, he morphed into different people or he made, could change his appearance? Made new faces out of that right. new skin. Yeah. So then, yeah, so you could take the badges off and be, and be Ryan Gosling yeah. for a little while. <laughs> Shit, I take it back. Ryan Gosling for Darkman. It's like what they did in Batman, the first Batman movie where, where Jack Nicholson put makeup on to look like Jack Nicholson and then yeah. wipe it off to yeah. be the Joker. There you go. 
I'm sticking to it. Denzel Washington is as old man Black Panther, <laughs> and Brian Gosling is Dark Man. Okay, I like it. Yeah. How about you, Bobby? You have any? Um, picks for us? Well, I mean, when we when, I think when we were doing the Justice League casting, I said Ryan Gosling could be Batman, and I got booed off the stage. So I'm not going to say that <laughs> again. Um, well, Stephanie, what what you do? You have anything else except for Channing Tatum? Do I have tons? Okay, go go then. Great. So I think Jonah Hill could be Grady from Amazing Spider-Man. Oh yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he has like that that same sort of humor and aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think I can't remember what um the woman in the well is named in Lock and Key, but I think Megan Fox could pull her off. Oh yeah. Oh, what is I know I, like the male version, but I can't remember what the female one was named. I'm yeah, not I gonna remember, remember it. Yeah, I can't remember but it. But anyways, anyone who's read Lock and Key, it's the woman in the well. Um, Michelle Rodriguez, I think, would make a bitch in Domino. Ooh, oh, yeah, good one. Um, Pouty Domino. <laughs> and Marissa Tomei, if she was younger, I think would be really, you know, perfect as Catwoman. <laughs> that laugh. Oh my god, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I don't, actually, tying this into my one of my authors here, I think Ryan Gosling, if they ever decided to do uh, possibly like a Green Wake adaptation, he would be an interesting choice for Morley Mack. Ooh, yeah, the main character, I yeah, like that. And that's definitely hmm. like his kind of bag too, as far as movie goes. Yeah, it's very, dark. Yeah, very dark and sad. <laughs> that I seems to be what he does. Play that off so, really good. Yeah, I think he would be a good choice for that if they were ever to go down that route. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, chewing on a toothpick. <laughs> Just just his character and drive all the time. It'd yeah. be awesome. Uh, With his triangle-shaped <laughs> mouth. All right. Um, Forget it. He has a weirdly shaped mouth. All right. Uh, <laughs> so this is from uh, Daniel Gall. He wants to talk about the... He mentioned the Arrow finale, and we haven't watched that yet, but Stephanie and I did talk about the show. Um, he also wanted to know our thoughts on the, Ark, the Batman Arkham Origins trailer and the whole Kevin Conroy mix-up that happened this past week. So, if, those of you who don't know, uh, we talked about this last week, I believe, they annou- or two weeks ago, they announced uh, the new Batman game, Arkham Origins, uh, and they had, it's also that Mark Hamill would not be coming back as the Joker, he, he said he's not doing it anymore, and Kevin Conroy would not be coming back as Batman because they wanted, it's a younger Batman, they wanted a more inexperienced sounding voice. Um, so what happened was, though, Kevin Conroy, I believe, was at a Dallas Comic-Con, and he said, oh, you know, I'm voicing Batman in the next Arkham game. I can't wait. Uh, but what he accidentally did was outed what the game is after the Arkham Origins game. Oh. Uh, and, and so they kind of there was all this confusion because he was saying he was in it. So websites were, you know, reporting that this other actor was not actually playing Batman. It was somebody else. Um, but the truth is, he is not in this game. He also clarified it. He said, I'm not. And then he tweeted, I'm not in Arkham Origins. I'm in the next Arkham game coming to Rocksteady. And then they deleted the tweet because <laughs> they hadn't announced the game yet. Uh, so that's the whole kerfuffle. Did you happen to see the trailer, Steve, for the game? I didn't. Um, it's all cinematic. There's no gameplay footage. Yeah, see, that, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not really that interested. Yeah. Is it um, the one where they're fighting? It's fighting Deathstroke, yeah. Okay, so it's just a teaser then. It's yeah, it's just a the teaser. Trailer. Yeah, no. I'm kind of I'm feeling kind of weird with that game. I I felt like the other game came out too quickly. Uh, I don't know that I need another Batman game right away. I'm a little I'm a little worried about them changing houses mm-hmm. for the game. Uh, I will still 
check the living shit out of it, but I just there's some there's there are other games that are much more on my radar for a change than than Batman. I mm-hmm. think that Batman, the other ones came out at a good time, at least the first one did, that it really blew people away. That we've seen it twice now. That I don't I don't know what kind of a evolutionary leap they would make with in the amount of time that they've had to make another one. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's definitely going to be a a very you know granular change for of yeah. anything. There are some differences. There's more. The detective mode has been expanded now, so you can like bring up crime scene photos on your display and like look at footage That's and stuff. Cool. Uh, so there's some cool some cool stuff there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that Rocksteady, the, the the developer of those first two games, is working on that next game, and that's why they're not doing this. And they're working on their their next gen Xbox One, PS4 title that's only going to come out there. And, and this is the, the kind of like we need to get games out for See, these other systems. I don't even know what that is, and I'm more pumped for that. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there's been rumors for a while that it's going to be a like uh, kind of new frontier, kind of like 50s, oh. 60s set Sick. Justice League game. Uh, with Ooh, Batman in it, but with cool. yeah. So Ooh, I want an Aquaman game. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, after Injustice, I definitely want an Aquaman game. Um, so this is uh, from Hunter. He says the last, the last Jeff Johns Lantern issue. Am I the only one who cares? Um, uh, no, no, not at all. I no, don't think no. so. <laughs> it, it's you know the the end to one of the longest most story runs in recent memory, you know, a, a run that's pretty much brought a character from second tier status into leading a company for a, a lot of years. I very much care. It's just this, this wrath of the, the, the first lantern thing has, has felt like it's gone on for a very long time. You know, if it actually has, I'm not sure, but I, you know, there are I've, a lot of issues to it, a lot of issues. And they, and they made them seem like they were all vital to read all of them, which I think was a little bit of a marketing ploy. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's anything to do with Jeff Johns' run. This book is also late. You know, it's a couple of weeks late. So th- that also has put me, you know, not put me off, but it has waned my excitement. Instead of a like a barreling towards the end, we I think I feel like yeah. the lead ups we've kind of puttered. But we're getting this giant issue this week. You know, I think I think it's eighty pages or, or something. Right. Um, it's going to end his run, and I'm you know very excited to see what he does with the end of it. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I know we don't talk about Green Lantern very much, but I, I've really, really been enjoying the Green Lantern of the DC-52. I started with Blackest Night mm-hmm. and moved forward from there. Uh, I dropped off about midway through the Third Army. Is that what it was? Yeah. That was yeah. The, arc, the arc before this yeah. big thing, mm-hmm. right. So, um, But I have 100% all intentions is that as soon as this is wrapped up, as soon as it's over and it's collected, I have... Every one of the issues waiting at my house, waiting to be read. Uh, I just find that Green Lantern comes off better uh, for me personally when I can read it all in a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, super, super excited for that night where I, I mark off a couple of hours to sit down and go through it all in one shot. Uh, I have no doubt that it's going to be awesome. And don't worry, we will talk about it quite a bit next week. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and Stephanie, you don't read Green Lantern, right? No, I mean... I, I think I want to care about it. I mm-hmm. didn't read Blackest Night, though. And my biggest problem with Jeff Johns's DC-52 take on Green Lantern was that it wasn't a reboot. It was just carrying on. He was the only one that seemed to think he was an exception to the rule of the mm-hmm. reboot. Well, and I mean, it the... wasn't friendly for me to jump onto and know what was going on. N- so you're, I was really right. turned off. 
Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right about that. Like, I, I, I would like to be a part of it, but, I, I, you know, the number one should have been the place I could have jumped on, and it wasn't. And now I just don't know where I can pick it up. Mm-hmm. Blackest Night. Yeah, you can read Blackest Night. I mean, you know, I'd say the, the stuff I've read and been kind of fine with what's going on, if you read uh, Rebirth and Blackest Night and then go to the New 52 stuff, you should be pretty much set as far as the general stuff you need to know uh, before okay. you go on. Um, a hero is going to suggest go back to 1959. What am I? Start from the beginning. Um, this is from Adam Garza. He says, what do you guys think about Nightwing writer Kyle Higgins having a run on Batman Beyond this coming August? Steve, you're a big Batman Beyond fan, right? No. You don't like the show? The I like the television show. I don't, yeah. ca- I don't care for the comic. Okay, well, I mean, this is a, this is a different writer and different like thing going on would uh, do you like the nightwing book or have you stopped reading that i stopped reading it a while ago okay um i couldn't i couldn't attach myself to the circus i just <laughs> it they i came in i guess i came in at a bad time because i hadn't been reading it until it was tied into other batman events but um i just i had no connection to these these support characters that were in that book that there was a lot of circus heavy stuff of characters dying and people having to leave leave Nightwing's f- I don't know presence friendship I don't mm-hmm. know uh, I just didn't care mm-hmm. so uh, as far as I don't know I don't I don't think that the the Batman Beyond book it was definitely not on my radar until you mentioned it just now mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that I'll that I'll check it out I honestly I have enough Bat books. If word of mouth is that it's that it's good, then that'll be cool. But I never, I liked Batman Beyond the television show, but it was always just something else bat related to watch. It was never my go to was always you know Batman the animated series, mm. right? So fun show, cool show, but the the first the first issue of that really turned me off. I didn't I didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. It'll be one of the, it's one of those wait and see comics for me yeah okay cool awesome uh so uh we have one listener uh i believe it was from evan a question from him yeah he wrote in last week as well about this uh this article with the redesigns uh, uh, of Mm -hmm. the characters and there was actually another one posted um i think it was either yesterday or the day before uh just with a bunch of redesigns uh, of female characters and, and the kind of different ways their costumes are being put together um I kind of want to know our, our opinion. Um, his exact question is, I would love if you could discuss the conversation that's being had in this article, as well as one that came before. It's about modesty and utility in female superhero okay. costumes. Now, Bob, you read the article? Yeah, it's Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson, CBR. yeah. She uh, has no head, right, is the name, right. Of, is mm-hmm. the name of the article. Right. The first one was Sublime Redesigns. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are from the new Brian Wood X-Men. Yeah. Uh, where we've updated Jubilee. She's still recognizably herself they fixed Psylocke she's now is not covered in pouches and belts mm. and she's actually covered it's it's really interesting that the book has gotten so much vitriol about an all-female team and yet they're modest and reasonably mm. attired mm. no matter what pose you see it isn't one of those salacious weird sort of things yeah. and the article that came was it today or yesterday uh, they start to show some not such mm-hmm. great ones. Starfire, yeah, which are her. I don't know the Harley, yeah, 
which was the, the, the number one offender, mm. uh, a new phantom lady that looks as bad as it looked in the 40s. Yeah, I, th- that was, was the only <laughs> one where I was like, that's, I mean, it's like, yeah. it's like apples or apples. Yeah. To it's me. always, it's always been bad. Yeah. Uh, but I think in the case of that character, it's now more the Matt Baker who drew this cover. He didn't create the character. It was right. a little before that. It was, despite it getting in this book getting in trouble with Doctor Wortham, it was never mm. really su- suggestive. It was sort of sensual. Right. And you know it was th- the other ones on those Raven, the new outfit is. Which absolutely I, I didn't, I hadn't even seen that. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 may be the worst to me. Same one in the like the in the video game. Yeah. In a Justice. Yeah. But the Raven one was the one that put me off the most, uh, definitely. I, I only because in my mind that character, and I'm assuming she still is now, is in her early teens. Mm-hmm. You know, she, and it, that character always seemed. And again, this is going off the Teen Titans cartoon more than anything else. No, the books were too when it was yeah. and Perez. Okay, back in those days, and she was completely covered with a cloak and a, a, a dress. Yeah, and that <laughs> was one of the coolest things about her was she was this very kind of almost like alt character even though she was like you know the 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 daughter of a demon and everything she felt very much like the introverted mm-hmm. teenager and that costume is very you know boob centric the one yeah. that they have of her now and she does make mention to one thing i've been sort of complaining about but from the other side of it the emma frost thing mm-hmm. where now you have magic who is also a little girl mm-hmm. she's 13 14 years old and was generally drawn before Covered in a, a you know yellow spandex X Men outfit with armor mm-hmm. on her arm and shoulder, now walking around looking like Emma Frost and some sort of you know pretty woman hooker, <laughs> for one of a, a better term. I mean, right. thigh boots and hot pants, and you're 14, mm-hmm. you know, and you're the double for you know the White Queen. Somehow doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Um- I, I like a lot of the redes- a couple of the redesigns. I think the Starfire one looks great. Uh, the redesign they made. Some of them I don't really. Like. Well, some of the ones she's having uh, Kelly's having another artist do them. There are a little too many. Like the uh, the Power Winter, Winter Coat ones, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the Power Girl one, she just looks like she's in a tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't good. You know, and that's just not interesting to look at. I don't. I, I, it doesn't need. We don't need to see her. The, we don't need to have the boob window. But you know, you should be yeah, a little it, more it, dynamic. It, it, when when Wally Wood created that, you know, we're just talking about this in general. There were Wally Wood was the successor to Matt Baker in essence. Mm-hmm. He started drawing for EC in the fifties and was very famous for drawing very beautiful women. He created Power Girl mm-hmm. and the boob window. Right. <laughs> From her first appearance, she was. The, the character you see now, that mm-hmm. the one with all her origins going goofy and everything else, she was always that take no prisoners, I've got attitude, deal with it. Right. So it was always part of what she was. But when Wood and his studio left, Joe Staten took over, and basically the first thing they did was covered it over. Mm-hmm. It's that, that's the only redesign you really need to do, just make right, it yeah. smaller yeah. or cover it. Yeah. And you're fine. I was not a fan of the one they did, the Jim Lee one they did mm. for the new 52. Right. Which, interesting, though she was completely covered up, seems somehow more uh, <laughs> revealing. <laughs> Not to mention that she's got a target over one of her um, breasts. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, did you, did you see any a couple of these uh, redesigns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at them now. What do you think? Um, I mean, there's a couple of them that are just plain up, like, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're 
for characters that I'm mostly not really familiar with anyways, but mm-hmm. I mean, the Raven one is like, I mean, the new 52 design is just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Raven one is beautiful. The redesign. Yeah, it I is. I love that. I think mm-hmm. that one's probably the strongest one from this. Um, the Starfire one, I feel like is good. It's not that much. I mean, it's just, the same thing, but it covers more material. Well, yeah, but that's well, not, the reason that there's more material. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's some material. There's none in the other yeah. one. Yes, exactly. Um, I do like that one better, mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, I think after the Raven one, though, the Harley is probably my favorite. She is the one that I feel needs to go back to something that's even reminiscent of her, mm-hmm. you know, her heyday. Yeah. Like, her costume now is so far gone from anything mm-hmm. that it ever was. And it's just such a disgrace to me. Perfect like, word. I she, agree, absolutely. This is, like, a character that, you know, I enjoyed on things like Batman the Animated Series. And even though she was a bad guy, she was still a character I could kind of be like, mm-hmm. she's awesome. If this new 52 Harley was in Batman the Animated Series... I can guarantee you that she wouldn't have made as much of an impact on me. Like she's horrible Mm -hmm. and it's just such a, they need to change that right away. Mm -hmm. And she's such a major character for me. Yeah. Um, I mean the other ones, there's a lot of them that I feel like they're being a little too like prudish about it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right, that's terrible. Let's, let's think about this. Yeah. No one would fight crime in that. Unless you were an angsty boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I'm I'm 100% with women who think the characters are oversexed and everything. But for the most part, if they're being written well, I can overlook that. And, like, for me, Power Girl is such a strong character that her costume, it just doesn't matter to me. Because everything that she is just cancels out everything that she's made to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that redesign of her, she looks oh. like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie fish tank with Michael Fassbender and I forget her name, Katie something. And she just looks like a punky angsty teenager in Britain. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. She looks like, she also looks like a little bit she, like Jane Lynch from Glee. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not good. Like yeah. you, I don't understand why women, I mean, it's not just women, but just because, like, it doesn't have to not be sexy. It can still be a sexy costume. It doesn't take away from the character. Mm -hmm. It, I mean, you're getting something out of the character, whether they have a costume or not. And that's because of the writer. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people lose sight of that. And I don't need Power Girl in a tracksuit. Right. right. Well, there's also a difference between sexy and sexist. Mm-hmm. And and that is going to be in where the words are, how the characters mm-hmm. presented on a, you know, a monthly monthly basis, mm-hmm. what you're seeing them do, how they act. Uh, occasionally you'll actually get good writing. It's happened to Gail Simone a few times where some of the artists, Ed Bennis, mm-hmm. is a very good artist, but yeah. he's very pinuppy. Yeah. And very often the words mm-hmm. and the images don't come together and it's right. a little jarring some mm-hmm. sometimes and you'll say, "Oh, <laughs> Could we have had someone a little, uh, I don't know, less good as an artist, or at least right. less posy as an artist? Right. 
Um, the Emma Frost one, like, I like the idea of it. I think it looks slick, but she looks like a boy. She looks like, um... She looks like a like, ja- like a Final Fantasy character. They all yes, look like they exactly. came from the anime that is exactly Death Note. exactly what she looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She looks like, um, what's his name? Like, Leon? No. What, from Wait. Resident Evil? No, from... The or not Leon. Um, Wesker? Final Fantasy. Um... Hmm. Uh, I don't remember who I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. She does very much look like a Final Fantasy character. Yeah. And, which is fine to mm, an extent. Right. And I also think they're being, like, the, I think the Cheshire one, uh, I think is one of the ones that, like, you know, she she's wearing, like, you know, she has, like, those weird leggings thing where you can see her legs. But other than that, she's decently covered up. And, like, the, 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 the redesign of her, she looks like... She's ready to like hang out by the handball court and smoke cigarettes with a teacher's catcher, you know? I also it's, really it's, don't like the Angela one. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, just that feels to me more like like, like a like I don't like she's very booby. Like in well, the, they went uh, from She-Ra to like steampunk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, yeah. yeah the, the, a couple of them feel a little off. I, I obviously I think they're all like their heads are all in the right place. Or their hearts are all in the right place, right. but I think maybe a little wrong-headed at times. I definitely agree. Like, I mean, women can be sexy in comics. It doesn't need to, you know, it it doesn't need to be fully covered up. You don't need to be wearing, like, baggy sweaters and, like, you know, hoodies. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what what tends to happen, I remember Steve got a huge laugh when we were looking at that one Justice League book where you've got a battle sequence and the the shot is right up (laughs) Wonder Woman's butt crack. (laughs) So it doesn't even matter what uh, how how large the coverage was of her star-spangled bathing suit mm-hmm. if you're going to show me a shot right. that is now something wildly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So it may not be as much the it is the fabric in a lot of cases in yeah. some of these outfits we've seen here and then others it's attitude and yeah. the way it's presented. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting cuz that other article the the good redesign they talked about one of the ones they talked about is Poison Ivy. And now she goes from basically being naked to being completely covered. And it's just, it intrigues me that DC does that with Poison Ivy, but takes Harley completely the other way. I think yeah. it was largely, I, and I don't know this, but like I think a lot of it is the creative teams that were originally on the books when the DC New 52 launched. Right. Yeah. Because these people got these books because of pitches they did, mm-hmm. right? So obviously when they did their pitches, they also included sample art for the character or writings. And this is what they came out with. And they're like, yeah, this would be rad. And again, this is complete speculation because I don't know, but I think a lot of it could be blamed on the people who were involved at the time of the launch. And I also don't know what Harley looked like right before the launch either. I don't know if this is a New 52 thing or if this has been... Well, she (laughs) she sort of started evolving into skankdom like in the video games, I think, when they kind of changed her into that like saucy nurse... Yeah, in Arkham Asylum, she yeah. sort of, she looks like this. And this then they kind of skanked her up a little bit more in City. Right. And then it kind of, her, like, she devolved from there. Gotcha. It's so sad. All right, one last question. This is from Bailey, and he says, Over a decade ago, people were given the crossover of a lifetime in the form of DC versus Marvel. I was wondering, if the two companies were to ever cross paths again, which characters or groups of characters would you like to see interacting? And what creative team would you put to it? Bob, Jeff Parker writing, <laughs> um, Justice League Dark and the Dark Avengers. Hmm. That's a good one. You know, that is they a really could definitely good one. work. Uh, or 
you could have Matt Fraction's Defenders on the Marvel side of that, too. Mm. I would like to see that. You want some, you want some magic going on. So it's the DC side of it or the Marvel side. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. I would like to see a little Batman Daredevil uh, meet up, Ooh. but it would be I would like to be co-written by Scott Snyder and Mark Wade with wow. art. And I mean, it's tough though. The art thing is the toughest part because I love both those guys so much, but they're so different. You know, I would I would really love to see what Chris Samney's Batman would look like. I think that would be pretty fantastic, um, but I feel bad le- leaving Capullo out in the uh, in the cold. They could alternate issues. They could. They're so different, though. They're so different. <laughs> it would have to be like, oh, the DC guys come into the Marvel universe, and then the Marvel artists do it, and then it sw- switches over when they go to the DC I universe. Like that. But that would or be my do it dream the other set. way around. Or do, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. would be even more interesting. Do yeah. it the other way around. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, got you, got, you got one. Yeah, I think I'm going to speak for the lady ladies here and do uh, a team up of Captain Marvel Wonder Woman with Gail Simone and Kelly Sue DeConnick on board. Wow. I don't know who would draw, but I'm sure we could find someone rat. Absolutely. But that would be be like, yeah, that'd be great. What's happening? Yeah. I'd like to see a little Superman Captain Marvel meet up as well. I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Written by Kelly Sue. I think it'd be pretty awesome. Um, Well, I'll see if it's thinking. His, his yeah, brain, obviously. His brain is look, moving. You can, look see the, on my face. you can see the smoke oh. coming out of his ears. I have another one that, that would, to me, would have to be Gale. Uh, Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. Fearless Defenders. That would make total Ooh. sense. That'd be a lot of fun, too. Damn, you guys are taking all the good ones. <laughs> um, Should have thought of them first. While he's think- I didn't know the question up until two minutes ago. While he's thinking, I sent it to you. While he's thinking, um, did you hear there's this rumor, because of a prequel comic, that Supergirl is going to be in Man of Steel? Hmm. Or at least Kara Zor-El is going to be in Man of Steel. As an infant? Or actually, she's older when yeah, they send she, her to... Well, depending on... Depending when on what you're yeah. doing, but I think she'd be kind of... Well, it would depend, you know, I guess completely. I guess, I guess she would be older, because she's technically older than Clark. Yes. Um, so yeah, like a, she'd be like a teenager, but she's in the prequel comic. And so it's start up a lot of rumors that she's going to end up being in the movie in some way. Probably not as Supergirl, but as Kara Zor-El. I think that'd be pretty cool. So that's our Easter egg to watch for. I think so. Unnamed blonde teenager in the background. Exactly. <laughs> Someone goes, Kara! <laughs> there are some other pictures that they're saying are going to cause some controversy I saw today. Oh, really? I haven't, I've been trying to avoid as much so as I'll, possible. I'll say nothing. As much as possible. For those who want to spoil things, look on the internet. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently, like, I'm going to an event on Monday, and it's supposed can... to be, like, the costume reveal. Yeah. Like, they're, they're doing a display of, like, all the costumes. So I think... Whether I want to or not, some things are going to get spoiled. Probably, yeah. yeah probably. Um, One of them, definitely. Yeah. but Based it, on costuming. Yeah. Absolutely. But it, 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 I, it's cool. I mean, we've also, you know, there's also rumors of a certain rather large character making a, an appearance in it that we haven't heard tell or heard who's playing him or hmm. whatever. So if you can imagine a big character that hasn't been mentioned yet. That Amb- would absolutely... Ambush ex- Bug? Yeah, Ambush Bug. It's definitely... <laughs> it's Booster Gold is going to show up. <laughs> In in the uh, in the Man of Steel universe, so Steve, I still got I got nothing. Pick two books. Pick a DC book. Pick a Marvel book. Cross them over. <sighs> Namor and Aquaman. I don't know. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want to. I I can't figure out somebody to pair him with. I want to pair Hawkeye with somebody. 
Green Arrow? I was. That's the obvious one to use, but I feel like I don't know. I don't have enough of a history with Green Arrow to even like propose a story that they could ooh. jump in on. Do pro- it all Black story. Canary and then be like, "Ooh, does he like this? Does she like this archer instead?" There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'll see that kind of like a romantic comedy, yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There, there you go. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you very much. There's it's, my answer. Black Canary. You know, my, you're welcome for throwing under the bus earlier. Yeah. <laughs> awesome redemption. Good, good one, bro. Bro. <laughs> it's bump. Bra. All right. Thank you guys so much for writing in with all your questions. Again, info at talkingcomicbooks.com at talkingcomics on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash/talkingcomics, and of course. TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Um, let's find out what's on the shelves right now as this <laughs> website loads. Um, do, all right. Do, do. From our friends over at Action Lab, we have Double Jumpers, number four. From Aspen Comics, we have Journey, number two. Um, from Avatar Press, we have Crossed Badlands, number 28. From Boom Studios, Adventure Time, number 16. Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, number 5 of 6. We've got Clive Barker's Hellraiser, The Dark Watch, number 4. We've got Steed and Mrs. Peel, number 8. Two more to go after that, I think it is. All right. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Akinero, number 1 of 3. We have Dark Horse Presents, number 24. We've got Deep Sea, One Shot. We've got House of Golden Bones, number two of two. Lobster Johnson, Satan Smells a Rat, one shot. <laughs> That's awesome. And you got Massive, number 12. Mind Management, number 11. Woo! Star Wars, Dawn of the Jedi, Prisoner of Bogan, number five of five. From DC Comics, we have All-Star Western, number 20. Aquaman, number 20. Arrow, number seven. Batman Beyond Unlimited, number 16. Batman Incorporated, number 11. <clears throat> um... Batman and Little Gotham, number two. Yay. Batman the Dark Knight, number 20. We've got Flash, number 20. Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Men, number 20, which is the final issue. Green Lantern, number 20. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 20. Green Team, Teen Trillionaires, which I did not know was the subtitle of that book. Uh, Number one is out. Justice League, number 20. Justice League Dark, number 20. Red Lanterns, number 20. Savage Hawkman number 20, which is the final issue. Jesus. Superman number 20, Talon number 8, Teen Titans number 20, and Unwritten number 49. Ooh, it's a little bit of a rough day for DC. Uh, There's a lot of titles. Yep. Damn. Some of them don't even have Green Lantern in them. No, some, only a few, though. Shit, they're taking me to the bank today. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have Damsels number 7, Sh- Dark Shadows year 1 number 2, Masks number 7 of 8. Ooh, one more. Red Sonia number 75. From IDW, we've got <clears throat> Doctor Who, number nine, G.I. Joe, The Cobra Files, number two, Ghostbusters, number four, the trade paperback of Godzilla, The Half-Century War, Half-Past Danger, number looks, one of six. That looks interesting. It does. Looks very swashbuckly, like old-timey yeah. adventure. Dinosaurs and Nazis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's got a little of that, like, Sky Captain feel Absolutely. to it. Yeah. Um, Judge Dredd, number seven, Kiss Solo, number three. Which one? Well, I mean, which of which the guys celestial? Is... That's Paul Stanley, I guess. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about Kiss. All right. Um, we Sorry. have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, villain micro series number two, Baxter Stockman. Uh, 
Uh, Transformers. More than meets the eye. Robots in Disguise, uh, number 17, and right. True Blood, number 13. It's the spotlight hoist that screwed you up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From Image Comics, we have Activity, number 13, Bounce, number 1, Dia de las Muertes, number 3 of 3. Yes. Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, number 3 of 5. Yay. Miniature Jesus, number 2 of 5. <laughs> Nowhere Men, number Jesus. 5. Revival, number 10. And Sex, number 3. From Marvel Comics, we have A plus X, number eight. Um, we have ooh, Avengers, number 12. Yeah. We've got Daredevil, number 26. Yes. We've got Deadpool, number 10. Fantastic Four, number eight. Um, we've got Fearless Defenders, number four, AU. Yeah. We've got Iron Man, number 258.3. Journey into Mystery, number 652. Hooray. We've got Powers Bureau, number four. Scarlet Spider, number 17. Superior Spider-Man number 10. Yes. Ultimate Comics Wolverine number 4 of 4. Uncanny Avengers number 8 AU. Uncanny X-Men number 6. Um, Uncanny, sorry, X-Men Legacy number 11. And yeah. Young Avengers number 5. Damn. Um, Damn. A lot of Avengers books. Damn. Too. It's true. Oh, and they just, they just showed today pages uh, Dazzler is coming into the back into the X-Men universe. Damn. Uh, she's going to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, from She's Oni, so many other things. Why yeah, not? from Oni Press, we have Six Gun number thirty-one and Wasteland number forty-five. Um, and from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Hunters: The Shadowlands, and Grim Fairy Tales presents Werewolves: The Hunger number one. And that is what is on the stands right now. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Talking Comics podcast. Um, I'm not going to say again where you can get in touch with us, but please, guys, don't hesitate to come out with questions and comments. Um, also, you can talk to us personally. I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Stephanie. I'm Hello Cookie on Twitter. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, we will, guys, see you next week. So for Steve, Happy Wednesday, Bob, Ta-ta, and Stephanie. Meow meow. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>